Thank you for listening to the Young and Foolish podcast. This week our guest is legendary drummer, producer, and composer Michael Baker. We talk about his early years growing up in Japan and in Duluth, Minnesota, his journey through the music program at the University of North Texas, and his work as musical director for the one and only Whitney Houston. We also talk about how his current life living abroad affects his worldview and get a few tips every musician should take to heart. New episodes of this podcast are available most Monday mornings. Remember to stay up to date with Young and Foolish at youngandfoolishmusic.com and do us a favor and subscribe to us on our YouTube channel and in the iTunes store to stay up to date with latest episodes. Just search Young and Foolish Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Young and Foolish Podcast. We have a legend in the music business with us today. We've been talking a lot uh, off camera about... People like Brantford Marsalis and Conrad Herwig, and uh, it's a long list of people that Michael Baker has performed with over the course of his career. Thanks a lot for being here, man. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, we're lucky to Good catch to you seen. while you were while you were here in Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm yeah, here, you know, uh, keeping my life together here. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, you know, I had some health issues, so I'm coming, you know, and mm-hmm. you know. Coming back here to check check and make sure I'm good, make sure I'm cool, and then uh, having to hang out here with Jason and do some mixing and you know stuff like that. You know, that's but, you great. Know, see my kids, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I got my kids here. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And we were just talking that you yeah. are a Minnesota native. Yeah, I'm from Duluth, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, represent from Duluth. Eh? Yeah, <laughs> so you grew up there in the formative years. I grew up there. That's right. I grew up there. That's where I started playing drums in Duluth. Well, actually, I started in Japan, but I started. Pretty much uh, seriously in Duluth, in Japan. Did yeah, we in- yeah yeah we lived in Japan first. Okay. You know, as a kid, as I mean, as a, uh, my my father was in the Air Force, mm. so they shipped a bunch of people over there to Japan, and um, we all went over. I think I went over there when I was like four years old, and my brothers were like two, and my little brother was like one or something like that. And we were over in Japan. And um, we we didn't we didn't like live in the uh, formal air base housing. We lived actually with the Japanese, and we we called the rice rice paddies. So you live out in the rice fields. Hmm. You have a house, a little community. You know, it's like a little you know maybe like four or five houses in the community or something like that. And we live we lived out in the like literally in the rice fields. Hmm. Wow! Literally, I mean, you walk outside and look out, and there's a number of rice. And fields and, and then railroad tracks and other Japanese people working in the rice fields. Yeah. 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 How long did you live in Japan? About four years. Four okay. Five years. Yeah. You know, no yeah. CNN. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Until, right. You know, call America, you know, it's like $200. Hi. How you doing? It's good. Okay. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> you know, dial on the phone, the old, you know, yeah. dial yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. 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 So what you, you say you've, First started playing drums while you were in Japan. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I, start, I started playing bongos. Ah, mm. how'd you get into that? Just my, you know, I just was playing. You know, I, my I actually I went to my father used to take me to this, uh, used to go to this these nightclubs. They had the NCO clubs, you know. NCO clubs oh. were the were the nightclubs for the Air Force people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I saw this band in there, and this band called the House Rockers. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. you know, a band. They just they would play like, they would play like you know, old R and B stuff. You know, mm. yeah. and uh, I just I wanted to be a house rocker. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be in the house rockers. So yeah. I started with bongos, you know. Yep. And and this this is this slick guy used to come over, some slick dude with hair all slicked back and you know, a little small tie and he had glasses. And I said, I want to be like this guy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> he used to come over to the house and visit my dad, you know, and it's like yeah. so I wanted to be a house rocker. Yeah. So and I so I, you know, start playing drums, you know, wanting to be a house rocker. Mm. Wanted to be in uh, you know, wanted to be in that band. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah, nine I was years right. old. Right, you know, I was yeah. like you know, and then by the time I was, uh, by the time I was like eleven, well, I had moved. We had moved to Minnesota by then, but you know, we had missed the whole civil rights thing and all that stuff. We missed everything, hmm. you know, because you're over here in Japan. Yeah, so it's like you, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't get the news every day, and we don't get all the stuff that's going on in America. Mm-hmm. We had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. So wow. we're, we're we're in Japan. And, and so when you're, when you're in Japan, you know, and you're in the military, you know, military is like military. So there is no, there's no racial boundaries or nothing like that. Everybody is just military. Mm -hmm. So all this shit was going down in America and we're like, you know, Martin Luther King was marching, all the people, you know, stuff was going down here and we had no idea. We, you know, we hear about it. Mm -hmm. And we'd, we'd hear about it, and would sometimes we'd see in black and white some little excerpts of some news that the Japanese would bring in. But mm-hmm. other than that, we really didn't know what was going on. And the mm-hmm. Vietnam War was going down and stuff and all mm-hmm. that thing. And we were like, wow, this is, you know, we're in Japan. Yeah. And they, they would protest every week because they hated Americans being over there. Mm-hmm. So they would, on Saturdays, they would protest. So mm-hmm. we couldn't go outside on Saturdays, you know, wow. especially out in the rice paddies because the Japanese were, like, protesting Yankee go home, Yankee go home every weekend. Hmm. Wow. So they, you know, and they had the horns going, those, you know, those horns. You know, yeah. Like, you know, it's like, a, it was like a siren saying like, yeah, Americans stay in your, you know, American wow. people should stay in their homes because the Japanese are protesting because hmm. they didn't want us over there. Yeah. So are these some of your earliest memories of childhood and sort yeah. of growing up? Sure. That's yeah. really interesting. And yeah, how yeah. much that must have changed when you moved to Duluth. When we moved yeah. to Duluth, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it was like moved, moving to Duluth was like, you know, we were we were just happy to be out of Japan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because we had we had been there for so long, and you know, we didn't, you know, we, you know, by that time we were kind of me and my brothers we were like kind of speaking Japanese a little bit. Yeah. And uh, but we we soon got you know, you know, we soon stopped speaking Japanese because we wanted we wanted to stop speaking Japanese, mm-hmm. and then um, moved to Duluth, and that was some other stuff. We were like, this was you know, it was like. We lived up, uh, you know, Munger, you know, Munger Terrace. Mm-hmm. This shit looks like Lord of the Rings, you know. It looks like, <laughs> <laughs> looks like Castle of Lord and Rings, yeah. you know. We're, you know, so we're on these big hills and stuff. And like, so that was some other, moving to Duluth was some other shit. Too. Yeah. You know, because it's an old city. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a beautiful city. It was on, you know, on the lake and everything. And it was like, but we live way up in the, we live like up on the hill, up in the hillside up in Duluth. And, uh, and it was cool. I mean, that's where I, Got my, I think I bought my first pair of drumsticks by myself at Harley Music. It was down on First Street, and my mother said, "If you want to play drums, you got to walk down and get, go get your drumsticks." So I walked down the street and got some drumsticks in Duluth, and and uh, that's awesome. And uh, that was that's what I really kind of really started. Yeah, you know, said, "Okay, this is what I'm going to be doing." You know, 
Yeah, man. Yeah. You, you were telling us some stories off camera about practicing on the porch. And, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That was then the second house. Yeah, the first house we did, I didn't. I just practiced on my pad all the time. But mm-hmm. then on the on the, on the second house, I mean, the first house I just practiced in my pad because there's nowhere to practice drums. But the second house, I put my drums on the front porch. Yeah. And I, I had, drum, had my drum set on the front porch, and I'm playing all day long. Yeah, <laughs> man. Play, play, you were, you were telling me a story about yeah. going over with Jay Holland. Oh in yeah! The moment yeah. that you knew oh, that yeah. you wanted to be a musician. Yeah, yeah. It was like, like it was like uh, we were. Uh, I had this friend. This my friend. He's 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 dead now. He's uh, he was our bass player in our band. His name was uh, Glenn Hasselrude, and Glenn was this like you know just this white Viking looking guy you know with this big beard. I mean, Glenn was only like what thirteen. He had a beard. Those Duluthians, man. I mean, I'm serious. Glenn was like, you know, had freckles <laughs> yeah. and his beard. You know, he was like yeah. 13 or you know, 14 max, you know, or something yeah. like that. Red, you know, flaming red hair. Yeah, he was like, you know, he's like one of the, he's like one of those, you know, one of those guys like yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? One the of those real Viking, just man. like real Viking kind yeah. of dude, you know. <laughs> and we had our bikes and shit. We were riding our bikes, you know. So, Man, you got a beard. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> so we're riding our bikes, and you know, and so we're on the we're in the middle of the city. We're on ten. We're like uh, right across the street. We're living right across the street from a radio station, and uh, and uh, the other side of it was Woodland. Now you remember Woodland, and that, Woodland was like where all the rich houses were. Okay. So I had these big, huge mansions over there, and so Glenn, you know, Glenn says. Come on, hey, let's go over there too. You know, let's go over to the other side. We're gonna go. I got a friend over there, and uh, we're gonna go over and uh, see my friend Jay Holland. You know, I say okay. I say cool. You know, so and I had never been on the east side. Hmm. You know, so we're riding our bikes over there. It's like thirteen. You know, I think four, thirteen or fourteen. We're riding our bikes over there, and we get on the other side. I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> so, so that's how they do it over here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> big whole houses, yeah. big mansion houses and stuff. You know, yep. and. Hmm. and uh, so we go downstairs, and uh, my our, our friend uh, Jay Holland, we go down downstairs in his basement, and he's got like guitars, you know. He's got some girls down there and guitars. What more do you need? It's like that, yeah. And that was it. Two G's. That was man. it. That was it. I said, <laughs> "That's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life." I knew. We knew at that moment. I just knew. I said, "That's it," you know. Girls, guitars. What else do you want? I'm right. set. And so, and that was it. <laughs> and it's like I knew what I was going to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, man. At that point, you know, and and um, and me and Glenn started a band. At mm-hmm. that point, we started, mm-hmm. you know, we started a band, and uh, he, you know, he was the bass player, and mm-hmm. and I played drums, and then uh, eventually, um, there was a Catholic church in behind our house, behind my house, and uh, the uh, father, Bl- Father Blanchard, gave me the keys. To the to the basement of the church, to uh, practice my drums, hmm. nice. and and I and I also had the band down there, and so I, so me and Glenn had our band down there, and we go down and got you know we had pulled you know pulled in a couple of people and uh, a couple of other people from Duluth and started a rock band down in the basement of this Catholic church, <laughs> you know it was like it was like fourteen you know yeah you know? and basically that's how the the seriousness got you know you know the real being really serious about playing music. I, li- I like hearing stories about how you know so and so was kind enough to offer me the keys or my friend Jay yeah, had all the all little things that all those little things right yeah. Yeah, absolutely yeah. those things are 
you know, those things are monumental yeah. when it comes to, you know, the, you know, formal years, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, and, and not being afraid to play music or not being afraid to go, to go forward because those kind of, those kind of people really help you, mm-hmm. you know. What, you know? uh, going forward then, yeah. you, cause you decided to study music in college yeah. and then move pretty far away from home, right? Yeah, you went yeah. to college in North Texas state. Yeah. I went to North, went to North Texas state. I, 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 um, I kind of, uh, is, is weird because I, I, you know, I got into all these fusion drummers and stuff like that. And I was like studying Billy Cobb and stuff and, and, um, Studying Billy Cobham a lot. I thought he was my dad, actually. <laughs> I said, oh, he's my dad. <laughs> I actually bought a drum set, exactly the same drum kit. Yeah. I bought uh-huh. a Fives drum set, double 24-inch bass drums, and mm. four toms going across, all these cymbals. And I was playing all this crazy Billy Cobham stuff. And I was, I think I was, I was 18. But, well, by the time I left, I was like 17. But, I, you know, I had already, you know, pretty much... You know, it was weird because I, I I can't play all that stuff now, but I was playing it when I was like eighteen. I was playing all this really crazy stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, really fast, you know, and, you know, because I wanted to be Billy Cobham, mm-hmm. you know, and um, uh, I sent in a, uh, I wanted to go to North Texas State because I had heard about it, and uh, we couldn't, our, our family couldn't afford to take send me to Berkeley. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I did terrible in school. I, I didn't even study in school. I mean, I hardly went. I mean, it was like, it was a disaster, you know. Mm. You know, my SAT scores, I would just, I didn't, I didn't even read the test. I was just like filling in the blank holes. Yep. Oh, this is a nice little diagram. Let me go this way. Okay, let me go this way now. <laughs> you know, <Right. laughs> I'm going to fill in the holes, you know. Yep. You know. And I said, oh, I better slow down. Everybody's not finished. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's taking everybody yeah. so long? Yeah, that's right. What's taking everybody so long? You know? I'm not even reading the questions. Yeah. And um, so they didn't, I didn't get accepted at any school, I mean, obviously. And uh, uh, so my father uh, was still in the Air Force, and he, he was stationed at, out at uh, Wichita Falls, Texas, mm-hmm. which is two hours from North Texas State. Mm-hmm. So I ended up moving in with him and got in state tuition at North Texas. Okay. Nice. And I didn't get accepted as a drummer at North Texas State. I got accepted as a music composition major. Mm. Oh. Because, yeah, because what happened was I was, you know, I sent in my tape and everything. And um, I sent in my tape and I sent all the stuff in. And I should have been accepted in as a drummer, but I wasn't. And, you know, so go figure. So I, I said, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, cool. And so I, so actually what I did is I, I was writing music a lot, and um, and there was a teacher at, in Duluth, uh, at, at, you know, at North Texas. I mean, at uh, UMD, mm-hmm. named Thomas Wagren. You know Tom Wagren? Yeah, she was in, she was in uh, yeah. Chicago. Yeah, yeah, he was in Chicago. Yeah, he was a keyboard player. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. and um, he was the music theory teacher there, at at uh, UMD, and he gave me an A plus for a composition I wrote. You know, for and. Uh, that A plus got me into North Texas State as in the, in, into the composition department. What what were you using to write at the time? Just piano. You're so you're playing piano at the time yeah, too. Yeah, just yeah. Okay. Just writing, just you know, and uh, and you know, I'm studying music theory and and you know, just writing you know with the piano. And I wrote this. I wrote everything out, you know, and you know all the notation, and everything, and just mm-hmm. wrote everything out and sent it in North Texas State. And I got in as I got in and you know and as a comp major. 
That's another interesting plot twist. Yeah. Like, you know, you're yeah. doing your thing on the drums. Right. But it was the piano and the writing right. that, that got you into in this school. great music school. Yeah. Right. Which then led to, uh, you right. know, what we'll get to in a minute, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, but. I mean, So that's, I mean, that's how, that's, that's kind of how, that's how it went down. And uh, and so when I got into the comp department, you know, they were like doing like. Oh, my God. Yeah. 20th century, you know. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's art, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, but it, you know, it was cool because it was, you know, it was, you know, you know, John Cage and all that. Yeah, it was cool. It was, yeah, cool. It was very cool. Yeah. you know, it was very cool. You know, but, you know, North Texas was wild. You know, it was wild. Mm-hmm. It was, it was wild when I was going there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it was wild. That yeah. place was nuts, man. Was it eye-opening in a way that was like different from growing up where you grew up and exposed you to a lot of different things in terms of music or? Well, well you know, uh, well, I found I found it to be pretty much behind behind the times oh. as far as what we were doing in Duluth mm. because what because you know the truth be told by the time I left Duluth well, we had a rock band with my best friend Ray Wolf and we had this band called MA Free Press and by the time we broke the band up you see in Minnesota man back and I don't know if it was like that in every all the other states and everything but in Minnesota you had about, there were like, I would say a good six to ten killing rock groups. Mm-hmm. I mean killing. Mm-hmm. Everybody had rider trucks, like 18-foot rider trucks and big, mm-hmm. huge moving vans and stuff to move lights, equipment, mm-hmm. PA, Cats had roadies, and then people were working like all get out and all the rock clubs from all over the Minnesota area, Minnesota, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Wisconsin, North Dakota. I mean, there were just rock clubs everywhere. Mm-hmm. So guys were working, and we had one of those kind of bands. Mm-hmm. We had an 18-foot rider truck. I had my wow. Billy Cobham drum kit. <laughs> it was a four-piece band. We had two roadies. We had uh, that must have been lights. just for you and your drums, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that was the vision of. I mean, that was a vision. I mean, even when um, you know we used to, you know, we used to go see Desmond Dickerson's band. Yeah, and Desmond was like a rock star before Prince was a star. Mm-hmm. Desmond was Desmond was like huge. So we'd go see him, and I was like, wow, this guy's a rock god. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, his drummer had a freaking gong. He had he had the, <laughs> he, had the bo- he had the bottom gong behind his drum kit, yeah. for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah. right. You know, yeah. and it was like a just it was like a it was like a four piece band, and they had amps, equipment, all kinds of you know. Desmond who's a Des, Desmond Dickerson was a rock star. Mm-hmm. You know, we went to see him. We were like, oh Desmond, <gasps> oh, yeah. we're not worthy. We're not worthy. You know, it's right. like and he and he's playing his ass off singing. Mm-hmm. You know, so. And and a lot of the bands back then, you know, I mean, a lot of the groups back then, you know, there was a group from Minneapolis called Jesse Brady. They had a semi, man. Big time. They were traveling with a freaking semi. They used to travel with a Mellotron. That was the big deal. Oh, whoa. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, that was a big deal. Like, yeah. these guys got a Mellotron. Right. Oh, <laughs> you know, we're going to go see Jesse Brady. They, got, they bring the Mellotron, you know. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, that's what back when Cheap Trick was – was coming up, yeah. you know. Jesse Brady was a huge college band, hmm. and they and you know so, you know, the Midwest. I mean, they were bringing it. 
A lot going on, it sounds like. A lot going on. So by the time I got to North Texas State, I was like, wait a minute now. Where are all the rock bands at? Yeah, well, I'm kind of like, I I was kind of like, well, it's, you know, I'm, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to, I'm going to have a, get to, get to have a, a music education. But basically, we were already doing what we wanted. We were already yeah. doing what we were trying to get to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We were already doing it. Yeah. yeah, man. You know, so by the time Prince and all those guys came out, I mean, that's, they were already doing that. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, they were already touring. They were already, mm-hmm. you know, had their big, big shows and stuff and, you know, their, their clothes. They knew what they, they, I mean, Minnesota was bringing it. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Minnesota, I mean, this this area was bringing it between, you know, uh, Minnesota, Minneapolis, uh, uh, Duluth, Minneapolis, I mean, and, and uh, Fargo, North Dakota, you know, Wisconsin. The bands and the groups, man, they were bringing it, man. So did you ever feel like you regretted moving and going to school instead of staying on track with the band or? I did when I, when that, when I left the band, I got, to, I, I was like, Oh wait a minute! You know, I don't have any. I don't have any dudes with me. I mean, my cats are gone. You know what I mean? You know, wait a minute. You know, I I broke the band up. You know, and so, I mean, Phil Solom was in our band for a while, um, and and then uh, the, the the strange thing about it, Phil and then Ray and those guys from 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 the band, they 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 went to they went to Los Angeles and started this band called uh, Great Buildings. And then they started that other band. Uh, what was that band that um, eventually they did that uh, that 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 theme for Friends? Oh, the Rembrandts. Rembrandts. Yeah, they yeah. eventually turned that thing turned into the Rembrandts and yeah. stuff. So, but I mean, these I mean, we were already doing what we were trying to get to. Yeah. You know, going you know going to school. I like that way of putting yeah. it. You know, we <laughs> were already you were doing it. Educate, yeah. like you were, yeah, yeah, we educating were, yourself. Yeah, we were already yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, we, we were already there. Yeah. You know, and. Um, because we were only trying to copy the big the big groups that would come in to play at the arena or in Minneapolis, you know what I mean? You know, mm-hmm. like when Todd Rundgren's in town, mm-hmm. well, let's go see Todd Rundgren, you know. And Todd Rundgren had this big, huge, you know, big, huge stage set up and everything. And he was like serious, you know, serious musicians and stuff. And so we were all the bands in this area at that time were always trying to emulate Bowie or, you know, or, or you know, whoever it was. Um, you know, uh, you know, you know the the, the Who or Bowie or mm-hmm. or uh, you know Skinnerd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know. Yep. I mean, you know, that's how we survived. I mean, that's how the black guys. If you played rock, that's how you survived in those clubs, man. You got you had to, you had to play some Skinnerd and you know, yeah. right. You know, Black Oak, Arkansas. You know, Black Oak, Arkansas. Yeah. Hey, uh. I mean, you had. It reminds me of Blues Brothers. Yeah, yeah I, mean, right. you know, I mean, I mean, that's how you survived. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. and you know. Yep. So, so, but but so when I got to North Texas, I was like, man, man, I left all my shit back there. You know, right. I le- you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what did you pick up then when you were there? Well, when I got, well, I mean, it just it just basically furthered. I, I don't think I would. I think I don't think I'd still be involved in music had I not went to school. Sure, hmm. yeah. because going to school educated, you know, you, you get you, then you you get an education and you learn how to survive in the business, yeah. because you're not limited to what you were just do what you were doing, mm-hmm. you know. Because a lot of this, a lot of those same people, 
that were doing those things they're not they're not playing music anymore because they couldn't adapt and they couldn't they couldn't change over to the next you know uh, to the next you know to what music is now mm-hmm. you know what i mean it's sure. like it's, it's unrecognizable yeah. it's just not, you're totally it's totally a different totally a different thing but you know you know studying music and going you know being in going to north texas state learn how to play learn how to swing and all that kind of stuff i, I ended up playing with a lot of jazz a lot of important jazz musicians and you know even though i didn't really like jazz but i mean i played it you know because that's what that's what I was able to do at that time, mm-hmm. you know. So a lot of times that, you know, I'm playing just because that was facilitating what I needed to do at that moment, but it wasn't necessarily my first love, you know. I've always mm-hmm. wanted just to play rock, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it happens in music a lot of times yeah. where um, you might not be able to do exactly what you want to do right away, right. but you need oh, yeah. a way what to sort of to... break in exactly. or mm-hmm. pay the bills or keep the, the lights bills, on keep or whatever lights on. Yeah. it, yeah, it yeah, might be. Totally. Yeah, so that's basically how I got you know involved in jazz and stuff like that because nobody would hire me to play R&B, mm-hmm. you know, or anything like that, you know. So, mm-hmm. but... You know, that's, you know, you know, I mean, you know, growing up in Duluth, you know, I can't say enough about it, the, the creative element that was that was there. You know, I, yeah. think it's, I think it's the lake. I think it's some, mm-hmm. some shit so, in the water. Yeah. Something, yeah. There's something yeah, in the man. water or something, man. We've had a on. handful of people on the show uh, Duluth, who are yeah. from Duluth. Yeah. Dave's from Duluth, like okay. we were talking yeah. about before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. There's something There's about something that going that breeds on. There's creativity. Some, There's something yeah. about that city and that, that area, you know, some kind of thing going on because a lot of the Duluth musicians are really creative and, mm-hmm. and they just have a different different thing you yeah. know a different thing on it you know yeah. they really do yeah you know? so yeah so I, yeah well I was say, <laughs> when you were at North Texas was yeah. there like a like somebody that you met or like um or a group of people or something that like yeah. like the was there like a turn that happened while you were there well, that you saw like your career start to well not I mean I mean North Texas was was uh I kind of look at it both ways you know it, you know, when I got to North Texas State, I, you know, when I, when I finally moved in and stuff like that, moved my drums in, we had they had these practice rooms, hall, long halls of practice rooms, mm-hmm. you know, so you could practice 24 hours a day. And I was like, I, you know, I get there and then uh, I'm hearing this, like, you know, this this double bass drum thing going on. I'm like, you know, I'm thinking, I said, well, wait a minute. I said, See, these rooms are too small. You can't put two bass drums in these rooms. It's two rooms too too small. You know, I'm just like, so who's, you know, so what's this going on? You know, I'm like, I look over and I'm like, look in this room and see this little blonde kid, little blonde white white blonde kid looking. He's playing drums. He's like, he's like you know, <laughs> I'm like, and you know, it's like you know, and I said, I said this. Man, what what do you you know what you got in there, man? He said, "Oh, it's a, you know it's a Zelmer twin. It's a double bass drum pedal." Yeah, and I had never seen one before. Mm-hmm. I'm going like, "Man, that's that's yeah, that's great, man. That's some bad some bad shit, you know." And it, we met, you know, we met, and everything. Like, so Greg Bissonette, you know, oh. it's little Greg, you know, <laughs> little Greg, yeah, little Greg. And uh, you know, awesome so, career. so so we're like, you know, so me, so me and Greg are we we start becoming friends and everything. And Greg had this um, he had this uh, car. He had this like Starskin Hutch car. You remember that Starskin Hutch car? Yeah. yeah. He had the same car. Yeah. <laughs> the exact same car. He had the red. Was it was the red stripe with the white stripe down? The yeah. Ford. Everything but the 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 light on top, right? Everything right. but the light on top. <laughs> yeah. And we used to ride around. We used to ride around campus in his car, me and him. And you know, 
I mean, Greg couldn't play his way out of a paper bag. I mean, he was awful, <laughs> just terrible. And um, there's no hope for me, man. Yeah, right? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, he was, this was he was, at the time. Oh, at the time, no, yeah. he was awful. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, he was pretty, he was pretty bad. And he was pretty clueless. He didn't know what was going on, you know, musically about, you know, because mm-hmm. he was still like he was in that Buddy Rich, you know. Uh, Louis Belson thing going, yep. that, you know. So he had that going on and stuff. But he could read. He could read really great. Mm-hmm. And uh, but me, me and him became really good friends, and uh, we started hanging out a lot. And um, he would drive me to gigs with his car. We'd put you know, put my drums and drive to Fort Worth, Texas, and I'd do some club gig or something like that. And he'd sit in the back of the clubs, kind of watching, hanging out and stuff. And then we'd put the drums back in the car and then go back to the campus, you know. And so we did that for a while, and you know, we we were really we were really really close, you know. And he'd go to, he, you know, he made one of the lab bands because he could read. I think he made the like the last one, the nine o'clock lab band, like, the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't make a band because I couldn't read, you know, so well. And um, so I'd go and watch him play in the lab bands, you know. So we were like brothers, you know. We were, mm-hmm. You know, um, eventually, um, uh, um, but eventually we kind of went, you know, you know. You know, life kind of separated us a little bit, you know, a bit and everything. And uh, uh, we're still cool to this day, but, I mean, it was like life kind of, we just went to different directions and mm-hmm. stuff, you know. Um, but, um, I mean, North Texas was a strange kind of, a strange kind of a place. Was, you, know, I, you know, I mean, unbelievably racist, I thought, and uh, mm-hmm. well, which it was. It was just that. It's what it was. And um, couldn't figure that one out. Because it's jazz music, so how does that work? Right. Anyway, right. Yeah. so so I spent a lot of time. Uh, I would spend a lot of time in uh, South Dallas, where uh, there was these. They had this, it was like a whole constituency of these old jazz guys. And we're talking about James Clay saxophone, um, Earl Garner. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Earl Garner? Some some of the cats that used to play with Miles, they they lived in Dallas and stuff. Uh, Mark, a guy named Marshall Ivory on saxophone. I mean, it's all these old guys that were just just the baddest cats. Mm-hmm. And we used to, so me and uh, some me Charlie Young and my friend Ted Neely and a lot of us a great piano player named James, Dave Catney who also died uh, years ago, but. We all used to hang out at the jazz clubs at night. We used to just go up in Dallas and hang out and watch those guys play and learn how to play, really learn how to play jazz. Because it was like, you know, either you're going to learn how to play or you're going to learn how to become a teacher or learn how to become, do that, mm-hmm. you know. And so, so there was definitely that educational aspect of it. But then if you wanted to get out and be in the trenches and really learn how to play, you, you, know, you hightail it to the clubs and hear those Old cats really, really play. Yeah, that's a really valuable education. Yeah, all in itself. Yeah, so. that was so. That's where uh, uh, eventually I kind of moved off of campus. I moved in with this. Um, she's a she's actually a pretty pretty well known jazz singer, Deborah Davis. And we moved in together and lived on lived off campus in this big house, some, one of those big college home houses or something like that. You know. Mm-hmm. But, you get it for cheap because the kitchen and the bathrooms are all just jacked up. You know, <laughs> the house is cool, but yeah. plumbing is out. You know, yeah. jazz plumbing. Yeah, and uh, and so and then Bob Belden. I don't know if you guys know Bob Belden. I know that name. Yeah, Bob Belden was uh, he was there at school too, and mm-hmm. he was uh, 
used to come over to the house and me and him would just play and you'd just come over with his saxophone and we'd just play duets, you know, all day long cool. and hang out, you know. And so it was basically, you know, it, you know, it, it got to a point where you just kind of figure out what, how are you going to do this and, you know, how are you going to make this thing work to your advantage, you know. How are you going to get the education that you need, but at the same time get the playing part that you really want to get to? Because it was because it's school, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you know, so you, you you know, and since you're single and you're young and you got all this energy, you can you can have your cake and eat it too. Sure, mm-hmm. you know. So basically, I, you know, and then, you know, we had also had Dan Hurley, who was really cool. You know, Dan was all about the Zebras Project and all that kind of stuff. So there was a lot of playing going on. There's a lots of playing going on. Mm-hmm. I'm sure North Texas is a completely different place than it was when I was going there. Mm-hmm. You know, but it was a, the facilities, unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable facilities. I mean, it's yeah. just everything. You know, it's like going to music. You know, it's like going to music heaven. You know, <laughs> and, and, you know and you got you know 24 hour, 24 seven. You got places to practice, study, yeah. and do music. Mm-hmm. You know, Man. that was a good part about it. Really. Yeah. yeah. What was the period like when school finished for you uh-huh. and then sort of moving more into the professional realm? Well, we, I got, we got, uh, there was this like this big uh, audition, college audition, mm-hmm. Clark, T- Clark Terry's band. Mm-hmm. And oh, he wow. put, put together this college band. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, he enlisted all the colleges around America to go out with his big band. Wow. So a bunch of Berkeley cats and a bunch of North Texas cats, we all went out with Clark few guys maybe a couple of guys from chicago went out went mm-hmm. out to the, on the, in the band and so we had this we had this big band mm-hmm. and you know everybody's all young and full of piss and vinegar and <laughs> <laughs> and we're you know you know we're you know we're off to new york man and we're playing you know my first gig with clark i mean it was at the village vanguard man with mm-hmm. uh, uh me as clark and um uh phil wood not phil woods um Clark's uh, is Clark's partner, but I can't remember his first name. But anyway, we we played the Village Vanguard. Like you know, the wow. first week we were in New York, yeah. we stayed at the Edison Hotel, which is the old old jazz uh, hotel. You know mm-hmm. that you you know that you stay there. You know right, you've yeah. arrived, you've made yes, it. You know? right. <laughs> you're staying in New York at the you know at the Edison. You know. You know, and then there's like this big, huge X-rated theater right across the street. You know, and you go in there, and so you get the hotel, and you got this big X-rated theater. You're like, whoa! <laughs> I'd never seen, I'd never right. seen that before. I'd never seen it. I'd never yeah. no stuff go down like that. Before. Yeah. Oh, where Peter? He's still at the, he's still in the theater. I was here for three days. Right. Where'd he go? Yeah, we're just sweating. Yeah. Like, whoa. So was your first first time in New York? Uh Actually, yeah. As an as you know, as an adult, yeah, because I went there with my family at one time. When I was okay. a kid, but mm-hmm. that was my first time in New York, you know. And I was really stupid because at that time, Tony Williams was my hero. Then mm-hmm. he was my big hero, and I bought this exact same drum set that he had, and it was like a twenty-four inch bass drum, thirteen uh, inch tom, fourteen inch, thirteen, fourteen, sixteen, no, fourteen, sixteen, eighteen floor toms. Mm-hmm. You know, 
I mean, just this hum- humongous set. Yep. And how more, how stupid, more stupid could I have been, you know? <laughs> lugging this thing around. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. With the cases. <laughs> right. Lugging this thing around, trying to get it, you know, trying to transport. You know, it's not like I got, ooh, I got roadies. Right. You know, yeah. not like that, you right. know? So I'm doing everything myself, you know? Yeah. And I couldn't have been more, no more. I, I even brought that thing to doggone. I brought it to Europe with us. Wow. That thing went to Europe. Wow. But that was back then when you could check in equipment. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It wasn't a big yeah. deal. It's no, it was big, to, wasn't a big deal. No. Easy to get mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. from there you went to L.A. After that, or after the tour. Yeah. I um actually, it, it, after that tour, I went back to um went back to North Texas State, and uh, I was gonna finish my degree. And I was just you know once you get on the road, you get a taste of that. We you know, get a taste of being in Europe and. Uh, I just fell in love with Europe. I fell in love with Italy, and I just oh man, I just I got to get back. So mm-hmm. I went actually when I got back to North Texas State. I didn't return to school, and I went on the road with this with this uh, this strange nightclub singer. Um, I don't know if you ever heard. You, know, you guys are too young, but there was this guy named Trini Lopez who was like an mm-hmm. old west oh, cowboy, old western. Western actor who had some songs out. Okay. Well, I wasn't. I didn't go out with him. I went out with his brother, (laughs) (laughs) who had a reputation for using his brother as. as Uh So you know. So we were. So ended up. uh, So ended up. um, Ended up playing at this hotel called Hef's Lounge. Hugh Hefner Mm -hmm. had this Playboy Club on on the boulevard in 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 Atlantic City. Yeah. Next to our. Now president's Club? president dump or whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Next to his near his hotel, the Taj Mahal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, this um, um, we were at the top of this hotel, Hef's Lounge, with a big Playboy bunny ears on the top of this hotel, and I'm playing in there with this guy Trini Lopez, and this one guy comes up to me. He's like an Italian. Italian singer, and he's he's an old Frank Sinatra from the old Frank Sinatra crew, mm-hmm. and he he keeps calling me Mikey, and he goes, "Hey Mikey, hey, all right, man, I really like the way you play, Mikey. Why don't you, you know, when you give me a call, man, you know, I'm like, I was like, what's this guy call me Mikey for? He didn't even know me. Mm-hmm. Call, how you just gonna call me Mikey? Right? Yeah. You know, we ain't boys, nothing, yeah. you know, what's right. that? Uh-huh. you know. Mm-hmm. He's like, hey, Mikey, hey, you know, hey, Mikey. You know, he's real slick and everything. Yep. But basically, he's part of that whole Rat Pack thing. Mm-hmm. Frank Sinatra, yeah. Sammy Davis Jr., mm-hmm. all those guys. He's a part of that. that he's a that part crew. of that scene. Yeah. Yeah. And he was playing. He was playing up in the same club, you know, after us. Okay. Oh. And so he gives. He says, "Hey, when you come to L.A., give me a call. You know, you know. Why don't you come to L.A.? You you, you got a job, you know." And I'm like. You know, so I wasn't thinking of going to LA at that time, uh-huh. and so I had one more gig, gig, had one more gig to do with Clark Terry. So I went and I went back uh, after I finished doing the Hef's Lounge, or after we finished doing that gig. I had one more gig to do with Clark, and that was in DC. Went to DC, and then Clark and Clark says, "Well, he said, what are you going to do, man?" He said, well, "You know, where are you going?" He said, "I'd sure like to see you in New York." And I said, "Man, I said, you know, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna go to LA." And Clark said, "Man, why are you gonna go to LA?" He said. He said, L.A.'s a weird motherfucker, man. Don't go to L.A. You know? <laughs> and I said, well, man, you know, I got family there. And he said, oh, okay, okay. So he said, I'll have some guys look out for you in L.A. I said, mm-hmm. okay, cool, you know. So I went to L.A. eventually. Mm-hmm. 
about like about two, three weeks later, I drove my car and I went to L.A. And uh, drove into L.A. And as soon as I drove in, man, it was like the first five minutes I was in L.A. I was going, oh, God, I hate this place already. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. I just, I just got here for crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, I hate this place. Oh, <laughs> God, what? You know, I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, I'm like, I, you know, I even know the song that was playing. It was like I was in the car. You know, those things are the moments. Yes, you know? absolutely. Oh, yep. yeah. Luther Vandross, Never Too Much, was playing in the car yeah. when I entered L.A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I had just gotten a ticket. I'm coming out of Phoenix, got a feeding <laughs> ticket. I was already mad. And I got in L.A. and I'm like, I'm like, oh, God. L, this, is, this is it? Mm-hmm. This, is, this is what I signed up for? You know, I'm like, oh, God. Anyway, I drive to my grandmother's house and everything. And that, that night, I... That day, I called Frankie. I said, hey, Frankie, I'm in town. He said, oh, why don't you come come down to the club? Mikey, come down to the club. And I'm, So my car was on the blink. My car was, like, all jacked up, and it was in the shop. I said, ask my grandmother, I said, can I use your car to go down to this club? And I used my grandmother's car. I went down to the club. There's this other guy playing drums and his band and everything. Frankie just says, just hang back a minute. Just stay, just, you know. Cool, you know. I'm, I'm sitting back in, in in the corner, you know, mm-hmm. waiting for this other drummer to get off. Right. Yep. <laughs> the other guy leaves, and it's about one o'clock in the morning. He says, "Frank says, come on, let's play a little bit. We play like three songs." He said, "Okay, you got a job." He said, "Why don't you come tomorrow night? I'll see you tomorrow." And I had a job. Wow. wow. And I started working. Like that. You, you've been there for just one night. I just ten got hours. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. I just got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just got there. Yeah. It was that. It was that night. The night I arrived, I got the job. Man. Wow. So, so I was working like the next night, you know, because wow. Frankie had already fired the guy. Now, what's interesting <laughs> to me is you're talking about these stories like with the Hef's Lounge and with yeah. the spots. Like this is back in a time when people had standing gigs Absolutely. at a venue right. for oh, yeah. a long period of time, yeah. which is hard to even imagine except for right. like Jennifer Lopez in Las Vegas sure, nowadays. Sure. But right. that sure, just, sure. it was a lot more common, it seems like. No, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, the back then, well, there's like a, you know, there's this whole, you know, there was a certain kind of scene back that that part of that part of time it was really interesting because it was a definitely i mean that club was a a club that was it didn't have a marquee on the front didn't have a name on it or anything mm-hmm. like that and you would, so you wouldn't know it was there unless you you knew you, it was there you knew it right. was there yeah. but you know but you, you you see all these mercedes and these limousines and all these things are parked back well parked outside well you know it's because you walk in this club you know and don knotts is sitting at the bar you know mm-hmm. from get smart he's mm-hmm. sitting at the bar you know i mm-hmm. i went in the bathroom one time it was frankie valley and he was uh, offering me cocaine you know yeah. you know he's like hey you want to go you know it's like i mean you know uh 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 what's i mean all the old hollywood elite yeah yep used to hang at this club a lot of them used to hang at this club i got so much work at that club, hmm. I, I got I got I got work in this one movie called Johnny Johnny Dangerously, this old mm-hmm. Michael Keaton film. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know that movie. I was like I was in town like a month, and I was already working. I was doing a doing a, a sidelining parts wow. in, in 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 films and stuff, and so I was doing yeah. that kind of work. So, yep. how, how old are you? I think I was like 23, 24. Mm-hmm. But so so by the time I got into L A, L A was L A was like hot, man. Hmm. I mean, I mean, you're talking about. It was a time where, you know, you're talking about, I mean, Lucille Ball was still alive. You're talking about, you know, uh, um, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the the actors from that certain period of time, 
you know, I think, I think of politics. entertainers. Or yeah, all these entertainers. Dean, I think Dean Martin was even still alive. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they was he was entertaining right. so much, but yeah, mm-hmm. all these kind of people were 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 still in the business. But there was a new there was a new business coming in that like the Michael Keatons and all those kind of people were coming mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. The new directors and new and new actors and stuff like that were coming in, but. I mean, but it was on fire, man. There was money everywhere. So did you reach a point where you were feeling like, okay, this is the place where I need to be right now? Because it oh, sounds like you were disenchanted at first. No, I mean, yeah. I was disenchanted twice. Okay. Because the second time I went to go see Weather Report. Yep. And I'll never forget that. I, I went to go see uh, Weather Report was playing at the Beverly Theater down in, 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 uh, in Beverly Hills. And... Uh, my car was still on the blink, and I asked my grandmother, I said, can I use your car again? And I go down and say, I want to go see Weather Report. And I drive down there, and I go in, and Omar Akeem's playing drums. And I think Omar was like, Omar couldn't have been any more than 19, 20, I mean, 20, well, I was 23, so Omar's a little older than me, so Omar must have been like 25, at best. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was, at that time, he was still with Yamaha. Mm-hmm. And he was playing with Zawinul, the, you know, the, the weather report. Yeah. Victor Bailey on bass. And I went in there, and I saw Omar playing, and I'm like, I, I started crying. Yeah. I just said, I'll never be that good. I'll never, I'll never, ever be that great. Mm-hmm. I said, there's no way. I mean, I had never seen anybody play drums like that. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I was so pissed off. <laughs> I was so pissed off and yeah. so destroyed by that concert yep. that I said, I'd never, I'll never reach that point. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even stay for the encore. I couldn't take it anymore. Like, it was like somebody <laughs> beating you up. Right, it's enough yeah. punishment, man. It's enough punishment. I can't stay here anymore. I can't, I can't, I mean, if this guy plays another note on the drums, I'm just going to slip my throat. Yeah. I said, why am I even trying? Yeah. You know? Have you had an experience like that? You know? Absolutely. Have you? Yes. Yeah, I have I too. Mean, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I have. And so I, and so I, I, you know, so it was that, you know, I, so I kind of just kind of reserve, res, you know, res, res, went to some kind of resolve and I just said, okay, well, I, you know, I, I got to figure this thing out because I mean, this is the, le- this is the bar now. This guy has set the bar, right. you know, and, uh, um, which, which was, which is amazing how, how, how things work. Cause if you practice long enough and you work hard enough, you work long enough, you do reach that point mm-hmm. because I ended up playing with Zauno doing the, you know, doing the exact same thing that I said I would never do, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. you do reach it, but you just can't see it. Right. It's interesting how that moment made you feel at the time yeah. versus how it ended up. Yeah. It sort of probably mo- made you work harder. You. Yeah. Well, it, well, I mean, now you know, well, you get to that point, we'll say, now you know what you got to do. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, here he is, like, just annihilating this this music. Just unbelievable. I mean, I've never seen, and I think still to this day, I mean, you know, there was a certain, you know, I, I just think between him and Zawinul and and uh, Wayne, you know, that that band, Victor Bailey, Zawinul, Wayne Shorter, and Omar, that particular mm-hmm. unit at that point, they were playing some pretty ferocious mm-hmm. things. And they were like, they were like, they had the bar set up way, way high, man. 
So at that yeah. point, were you thinking to yourself that you want to pursue fusion more, or was R and B starting to sort of come into your radar? No, I you know I always hated R and B, you know, and mm. I always hated that kind of stuff. And 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 I I swear I you know I swear that I've you know, all I've always wanted to do is just play some Leonard Skinner or some, play some, you know, you some know, rock. play some rock, yeah. man, and, you know, play some Who and, yep. you know, and just call it a day, you know, play some Queen. Or, you know, I mean, I, I didn't want to do all this other. I, I swear, man, I'm mm-hmm. I, sure I didn't, you know, I just wanted to play some rock stuff, you know, and just, you know, and go home, you know. Mm-hmm. You, know I'm, you know, being a, Playing flash and playing fast and all that kind of stuff was just not. I mean, it was something that I did because I thought that that's what you're supposed to do. And then I, and I got into it with you know the Cobham thing and then studying at school and everything. So I learned how to do all that stuff. But that wasn't the it, the the initial intent was just only just to play, you know, uh, you know, to, to you know maybe some Emerson Lake and Palmer, some uh, just some. I just wanted to be a rock drummer. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I didn't I didn't care about that other, this this other thing, this other part of it. So it was never in the equation. It was never, you know, when I saw Omar play, I was like, well, gosh, you know, I guess I got to, you know, I got to figure that out now, you know. So it was more like, oh, God, I guess I got to figure that out. If I'm going to mm-hmm. be in the game, mm-hmm. you know, I got to I gotta figure out what's going on on that end, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was not because I wanted to. You know, it was just more of like a, a, a duty, mm-hmm. you know. It was like, okay, I got to, you know, this is my, this is my instrument. So I got to figure out how to do this, you know, mm-hmm. but it's not something I love because they wouldn't, as far, far as I was concerned, I wanted to make money, you know, you know, I, you know, I, I, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to play, oh, can't you see, yeah. Boom. <laughs> can't you see what that woman, exactly. you know, I just wanted to play that, you know, down yeah. by the river. I just wanted to play some simple, yep. you know. You know, be on the rock, be on the rock and roll scene. You know, mm-hmm. and play that. That's 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 what I wanted to do, but yeah. it never came. It never happened for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Everything that I've ever done is always it's always been the opposite of what I wanted to happen. Yeah. I never wanted to work with Whitney Houston. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, I, the, 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 the real story is that my, I'm, I'm, me and my first wife, we were driving up. We were in. We, by that time, we had our daughter, and we were driving up and driving up to. We didn't have our daughter at that time. We were driving up. We were up in Sunland. We were living up in Sunland because I was, I was ever so slowly moving out of L.A. I was like, <laughs> I'd moved to a little smaller city, another yeah. smaller area, Burbank. They moved more up the hill, moved Sunland, Sun Valley. You know, I was like, yep. as long as I can just get out of the city, you know. <laughs> so we're driving up. We're going home, and a Whitney Houston song comes on radio, and and my 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 ex-wife she says. She says, oh, I love Whitney Houston. She is so great. This is, you know, she's great. I'm like, oh, God. So, oh, man. <laughs> oh, God, give me a break. You know, please, you know, just, yeah. you know, I will all, I will all love you. Give me a break. I just roll back in my head, you know. Yeah. You know, she says, you, know what? you wouldn't want to play with Whitney Houston? I said, are you kidding? I said I hate this kind of music. Are Damn, you joking? Yeah. I hate this kind of stuff. I'd never, I'd never want to do this kind of music. She said, "See, you would never want to play Whitney Houston." I said, no, I, what, what for? It's just, a, it's, you know, it's a pop, it's pop music. You know, right. who, you know, who wants to play pop music? You know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, then a Mariah, you know, right after that song came out, this is, I swear, right after that song came out, a Mariah Carey song comes on, mm-hmm. and I go, 
Now that girl can sing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I said Mariah can. I said Mariah Carey can sing. I yep. said you know, she's. she's she says, I like my wife, my wife at that time. She says, well, I like Whitney Houston better than Mariah Carey. I said, well, you know, it's, it's all, it's, it was all a matter of taste, but I said, I prefer, I, I say, I, Mariah Carey's funkier to me. I don't, you know. <laughs> so, you know, so fast forward a little bit and then, um, you we finally, you were asking for it at that moment. Yeah. 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 Right. So, yeah Cause we finally move, we finally move back to, we, we, we actually, we secretly move out of LA. We don't tell anybody. Yeah. So I had all these different clients and stuff, and I was doing like I was playing like Bobby Lyle records and doing Billy Childs and doing all this fusion stuff and all this Gerald Albright and I'm doing all these records and doing all this stuff and everything. And I'm basically, you know, I, I'm I'm spending a lot of time over at Oceanway Studios, you know, just recording, you know, doing fusion stuff mm-hmm. because back then record companies actually gave money f- budgets for for smooth jazz or what's now called smooth jazz. Right. But they, there were budgets for this music, you know. Okay. So I was doing a lot of that stuff. And uh, I just hated to be in L.A. so much. I just, well, so we uh, secretly moved, and we didn't tell anybody. We kept our phone number the same. Mm-hmm. But we didn't, we just moved. Mm-hmm. Just abruptly moved. <laughs> moved all our stuff out of L.A. It was like, vanish, <laughs> you know. <laughs> we vanished. And I get this, and so I get this, and, uh, and uh, so I'm in Japan working with this um Brandon Fields, saxophone player. Brandon Fields and then Steve Bailey on bass and some other smooth jazz uh, keyboard player. And we're in Japan. And uh, and I'm in, you know, and I, life is good. I'm in Japan. I've I just moved out of, I've just moved out of L.A. Mm-hmm. Life is good. I'm in Japan hanging, chilling in the, chilling the whole show and watching Larry King. It's when Larry King was still on TV. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Larry King says, "Yeah, and then we'll get back to you with the with the update on Ben Vereen." You know, I'm like, "Update on Ben Vereen," and you know, Ben Vereen's a singer, and I've been working with Ben. I've been working with Ben for a year. Ben Vereen was like my bread and butter gig because mm-hmm. we go out with Ben Vereen. You know, I'd make mm-hmm. make some serious cash, and then so that was like that was the, that was the reason I could move back to Minnesota because I was doing Ben Vereen. Right. So I was always working. Mm-hmm. Ben Vereen got hit by a car. He got hit by David Foster, the producer. Oh, oh my God! Yeah, Ben Marine was walking down the PCH Highway, and and uh, um, uh, David Foster was driving. It was raining, and oh, David Foster oh hit him. Gosh, hit him, and you know, it nearly killed him. And so, I'm like, Ben Marine got hit. So I'm calling America. What happened? You know, and Ben Marine got hit. And he's in the hospital. So that was my money gig, and I had just moved to. Moved all of our stuff and everything. We were living in Woodbury. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we we're all cozy in Woodbury. Yep. Yeah, I'm still working in LA and I'm still working. And I'm going, going back and forth. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but I lost my main, my main gig. Right. Yeah. Because Ben is in the hospital. So then I get. So I had. I had. I get this call, and it's it's my my friend Ricky Miner, and he's the music director for Whitney, and he calls up and he goes, "Hey man," he said, "What are you doing, man?" I go. So I'm just here. I'm chilling, man. What's, you know, what's up? He said, look, man, I need you to come check this out. I need you to come check this gig out. And I'm like, he doesn't know I, li- I He doesn't know I moved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he means like drive over to the yeah, studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So he said, he, said, he said, man, on Monday I'm having some auditions. Oh, okay. You know, and it's like, it's Sunday. Oh, oh man. You it's go it's Sunday. <laughs> you know? He said, hey, man, I need you to come check this gig out, man. I'm like, okay. You know, and I, and I, and I said, okay, well... Uh, so I talked to my 
talked to my wife at the time, and I said, well, I said, we don't have any money. You know, I said, I got, I got to go into L.A. I said, you know, I, I got to go into L.A., and I'm, I'm going to go down there with the intention to get this gig because we need money. Mm-hmm. So I go, and so we had $500 in the bank, and I had to get a one-way ticket. So oh, that's a one-way ticket, and that leaves you, like, what, 250 you know, in the bank. Yeah. You know, so I left my left my wife with two hundred fifty dollars in the bank, and then I went to L.A. not knowing if I had the gig, but just went there, bought the one way ticket, and I said, "Well, look," I said, "I'm not going to come back until I have." I said, "I'm not going to come back." I said, and I had a place to live, so I had I could stay at my friend's, I'll sleep on the floor or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I went there and did the audition. I, I I asked Rick. I said, "Well, man, what do you want me to play? You know, them play." He said, "Man, he said play like Ricky Lawson." I don't know if you know Ricky Lawson. Mm, yeah. He said, just play just play the show like Ricky Lawson. I said, okay. So I went that Sunday, went and went to my I had some drums at my practice room over there. I still kept my practice room in LA and then huh. learned the songs, play like Ricky Lawson. Real straight. Yep. Went did the audition at one o'clock. And um one o'clock and had the audition. Then uh at I think about four thirty, five o'clock, I got the notice that I got the gig. And it was like, you know, it was like, call my wife, hey, I got the gig. I'm going to be hanging for a while, you know. And mm-hmm. so my pay scale went from absolutely nothing <laughs> to like overnight, you know, about 250000 a year mm-hmm. just starting out, you know. Mm-hmm. You know it's overnight like that. Yeah. So, and that's how that went down. That's how I got that gig. Wow. And that's it was just it was just you know it was it, it was weird you know just I mean, not weird but I mean at you know at certain times you weren't you know, anticipating some, playing with Whitney Houston at all no no yeah. no he didn't even want to man right he didn't even want to like that music no I'm serious I didn't want I didn't I swear <laughs> right didn't, didn't want didn't want to do it but then I learned how difficult it was to play yes I learned what a difficult uh, thing that was to do and mm-hmm. how difficult it was. Well, yeah, play. in what way? way? Yeah. yeah. Well, because, you were telling me. Remember the sound guy took you yeah, aside? The, and, yeah. The yeah. first, yeah, the first big long because on our first big long rehearsal, you know, uh, on our first major major tour that I did with her because we did the first ones I did were like some kind of like some one offs. Mm-hmm. And then when we started our major tour and everything, and I had just got my DW endorsement, that's when they were like throwing drums at people, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, Jeff, give me those, give me those, yeah, give me those. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm so great, I'm I'm incredible. Give me all those drums. <laughs> you know, you, your head just swells, you know. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I you know I'm there and I'm playing, you know, and, and this. Uh, it's engineer, I hadn't met him yet, you know, but it's engineer. We we were rehearsing in these huge sound stages, so it's like you know, huge sound stage, and then there's another huge sound stage, but it's just there, just only for the engineer. He's by himself mm-hmm. with this enormous PA system, so that he can, you know, they're tweaking everything just for the you know, because we're gonna you know, so because every night we got eighty five thousand people, so we gotta, you know, gotta sound good, gotta sound good, right? <laughs> so he comes over. He comes in the room and I'm playing drums, you know, and I'm hitting the snare drum. I'm boinking the snare drum, going boing, boing, boing. <laughs> you know, because you know I've been playing jazz and playing fusion. I said, you know, I'm not. I don't even know how to hit the snare drum. You know, he's like, 
boing, 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 boing. He's this old guy, you know, his, his name is name is George Strakis. And he's got this long beard, real long beard. You know, he's like a, he's like a you know, it's total hippie guy, you know, like mm-hmm. glasses, long beard, you know. He comes over and he looks at me and he's rubbing his beard. And he's going, he looks at me, he doesn't smile, he doesn't say anything. He's just going to, he looks at me, looks at my drums and he, and he turns around and walks away. I'm like, whoa. You know, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, this is serious business now yeah, because right. now you're, you know, you're not in the cheap seats anymore. You're, you know, you're, you know, you're messing around with the big guys. And so mm-hmm. George is like, so um, Rick comes up to me and he says, hey man, George wants to see you, you know. Okay, so I go into the. It's like it's like going into like you know the this big, going to this big room with this big huge PA, and it's this one guy sitting there, you know, with this <laughs> with the board and like that. It's like going to see, oh, that's the, that's the interrogation room. Yeah, right. interrogation room. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Right. <laughs> so he goes and he plays this track for me. He plays the track. He says, "I want you to listen to something." He goes, and he plays the track. And he plays the song. The same. He plays the same song that we had just rehearsed. And he goes, he goes, hear this? He goes, this is Ricky Lawson. He said, and then he plays my, he plays the, the, the track that I had played on. And he goes, now, this is you. Now, what we're going to do here, he says, we're going to put a, san- we're going to put a, sample on your snare drum and a trigger on your snare drum so that if you hit it anywhere that you hit the snare drum, it's going to sound like Ricky because of the fact that you don't know how to play a snare drum yet, you know? Whoa. And I'm like, and so I'm like, okay, <laughs> cool, <laughs> cool. So, wow. and, and because like, you know, when you're doing a, doing a major tour like that and somebody is so big and everything like that, everybody's job is on the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everybody's gig is on the line, so they're not going to come to the drummer and say, "Why, you know, the, why is the snare drum sound so bad?" They're going to come to the sound man and say, "Why is the snare drum sucking?" Right. You know, mm-hmm. so, so the sound man's going to break your balls and say, "Hey, man, you either got to learn how to play a snare drum. I'm going to put a trigger on your snare drum." He said, "I can't keep, I can't keep you from not having the gig, but I can definitely, you know, I can definitely, uh, you know." You know, my job is to make sure that the sound is perfect out in the house. Mm-hmm. So I got to do whatever I got to do. You know, yeah. the, the, whether you have the gig or not is a political thing that he, I have nothing to do with. Yeah. Uh, but you got to, you got to hit the snare drum. He said, so when you finally learn how to hit the snare drum, <laughs> you know, then you know, then I'll take this trigger off. You know. Yeah. So that's how it started. That's it. Mm-hmm. So what, yeah, what did you do with that? You know. With well, I, 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 I probably. I you know I remained humble and yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. you know I listened to what the guy was saying because mm-hmm. he was right you know my yeah. snare was boinking mm-hmm. you know and just because you can play fast and just because you can play a lot of notes and just because you it doesn't mean that you know how to keep a beat mm-hmm. doesn't not doesn't mean that you know how to play actually play a snare drum to where it it sounds good or mm-hmm. it sounds you know sounds consistent. perfect yeah. you know, yeah. sounds consistent yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know you know you you know you you know you you know you know, those the guys that know how to play snare drums and somebody, you know, like Steve Jordan or Steve Gadd or something mm. like that, they know how to play a snare drum, mm. you know, and make it sound good. They know how to sell that sound, mm. you know, just that, just that drum. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to learn how to do that, you know, and that's why those guys, you know, uh, you know, eventually, you know, I mean, I was, 
I went on a mad search for snare drums and, and sticks and all this other kind of stuff to find out what is the key to do it, to achieving that, to getting that sound. And I, and I ended up, eventually I found out how to do it, but you have to study that stuff. You know, it's not about playing fast. It's not about, you know, chops and all that kind of thing, because I had, I had more at that, by that time I had, I had more chops than I knew what to do with. I didn't, didn't even need them. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? You know, but, um, uh, um, but I had to learn how to play the bass drum. I had to learn how to play a lot of things. You had to relearn how to effectively make a pop gig sound good, mm -hmm. make it sound really great, and how to play behind a you know a great singer. And so it, it was a it was a hard gig. But mm -hmm. people don't look at it like that because maybe you're not because you're not playing a million notes, right. you know. But basically, playing you know the timing, playing. <laughs> And the uh, you know all that stuff is so so important and and that, and that is the key and that's you know and I I learned it on that gig. You know? I would assume that's something that no matter how many times somebody explains it to you, yeah, there's no way you're actually going to understand what you need to do until you get to the gig. Until you get to the right. gig, right? And then learn yeah. it and be exposed. You have to be to exposed it. to it. That's mm -hmm. right. Absolutely, yep. you have to be exposed to it. And and it and it and basically that opens up a whole other world of, of production and, and, you know, the, the knowledge of production and knowing how to, how things work and how actual things work and how they, how they translate from the stage to the front of the house, you know, mm -hmm. it's a big, it's a huge difference. And because you eventually and, became her music director. Yeah. Right? I eventually yeah. became her music director. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is another gig I didn't want, but mm -hmm. let's see how, how did that transition happen? Well, I, at the time I was working with Bruce Hornsby um, I we just saw recently, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Yep. I had been doing some touring with Bruce Hornsby quite a bit when 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 Whitney wasn't going out. I'd go out and tour with Bruce, which I love that gig. It was so much fun, you know. Just a lot of fun playing with Bruce. And I was actually thinking about uh, quitting Whitney's gig because I was having so much fun just playing drums and and play, you know, and uh, playing with Bruce and and that music. And then Bruce had called me up. He says. Hey, you know, uh, you know, the dead are going out. You know, the Grateful Dead are going out again. You know, I want, I want to get you on the gig. You know, mm -hmm. you, you think you want to do the Grateful Dead? I said, Yeah, hell yeah. You know, that'll be fun. You know, hanging out. And he said, Yeah, but you got to learn sixty songs. I'm like, Oh god! I said, <laughs> I'm like sixty songs. You think about it, you know, learning sixty songs and hanging in San Francisco. And he said, Yeah, but you can. We're gonna we're gonna rehearse in San Francisco and we're gonna hang out. It's gonna be great, man. You know, I'm like, Well, I said, Let me let me think about this. You know. And at the same time, Rick had Rick had uh, Rick had called me up and he said, um, "Hey man," he, <clears throat> he said, "You man, look, I, I just let the whole band go. I let Whitney's whole band go, and and uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna re we're gonna reorganize the band and everything." And I'm like, "Okay, I'm just like, cool. I got, I got a gig, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out with the Dead, you know, for a while, you know." He said, "He said, well, hey man, look, I'm I'm. Why don't you think about uh, doing the MD spot?" I'm like, MD. I'm like, I say, yeah. Right. I'm thinking, like, you. I say, now you're really crazy. <laughs> I say, you're really. Yeah. I say, you're really crazy. I said, I don't want to be the MD. I says, I can't. I can't. I can't babysit her and the, and, and the knucklehead. With, you know, I can't. I can't mm. do both of those. Mm -hmm. yeah, both him, him and her. Yeah. You know. I said, that's 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 just just too much work, man. And he goes, Well, look, man. You know, you got to really think about it. You know, think about it. And I'll call you back in a couple of weeks. You know. So I'm like, 
So I'm at the dilemma, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so this is going to be a pay increase. I'm trying to think about the right. factors that would make you say yes. Yeah. It was a pay increase, but we were going to get, I mean, with the, with the dead gig was like paying crazy too. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. So yeah. you got a decision to yeah, make. The dead, right. Yeah. The dead gig was, was paying really good with, with no, you know, with no, uh, you know, it was just, you know, sit there and play play music and, and play music and, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and, you know. And you know all the deadheads. They you know they arrived three three days before. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right. camped out. You know, yeah. And, yeah. And you yeah. sit there and you play all night, and you're just like you know. So I was kind of weighing and balance how much I'd have to work and play and just hang out. You know, mm-hmm. in that scene. You know, so then uh, so I I the weird thing about it is I was, I was in such a dilemma about it and everything, and I was in such a dilemma. I said, well, man. I had this um I had to, I had this dream about um I had this I had this really crazy dream about her you know about Whitney cuz we had become friends by that time I had been I had been with her about 5 years by then I had this really weird dream that um that she was like uh, basically I had the dream about 911 but I didn't know it wasn't that until mm. until way it happened I I saw that 911 thing happen before it actually happened and um I had this weird dream about her and and um so I I just you know, I talked to my mother about it. I said she said, Well, you know, you might want to just kinda expand your horizons and you know and I said, Okay. So I took the gig. Mm-hmm. Took the took the Whitney gig. And I said, you know, and then so Rick says, Look, man, why don't you fly to LA and we'll we'll audition a band and everything, you know. We'll audition some guys. So I get to LA and I got my daughter with me and stuff and and I'm like, all these guys in L.A. are these people that I had played with before, you know. Mm-hmm. They were like musician friends. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, how am I going to, how am I going to, you know, audition my friend? Like, <laughs> right. Buds, you know? oh, that's how, a you tough know? position. Yeah. I said, how am I going to do that, you know? Yeah. So there was these couple of young guys that I had never met before. And, and so the, the choice I made were those, those guys that I had never met before. And I had them play in the band mm. when I auditioned the, the musicians. So they were like younger guys, and I had never, I didn't know them, so I didn't have to choose mm-hmm. between friends. Yeah. So I didn't, because I didn't want to do that. And um, and it was a great band. It was really, it was a, it was a really, really great tour, and it was a young tour. It was like Dolce Gabbana sponsored the, uh, okay. did all the clothes for it. So it was really cool. Mm. Yeah. A lot of fun. A lot, just a whole lot of fun. And, um, uh, that was that was the beginning of the, you know, beginning. She was she was on fire. She had just had a new record out, and mm-hmm. um, she had that new uh, "My Love Is Your Love" record mm-hmm. that CD. And she so she was on. She was like killing it, you know. And yeah. She was singing great. She was looking great, and yeah, yeah. So, so that's what that's what started the MD MD position. Mm-hmm. And I called her up. I said, she she said, well, I you know we talked, you know, because I didn't want to talk to her, you know. It's like. I got I me. Mean, I got to call her too. So, <laughs> so I was like, you know, I was like, okay, let me call her. And so I was like, I say, hey, it's Mike. She goes, hey, baby, how you doing? I'm good. So she says, she says, uh, she says, so what are we gonna do? You know, and I said, well, so we're just gonna have some fun. She said, okay, okay, all right, see ya, bye, bye. <laughs> <laughs> that was okay. it, you know. That, that was, was that was yeah. our that was our basic our conversation yeah. about me be me MD. Yeah, wow. yeah. Because 
because she didn't really know what was going to go on. We because I'm playing drums. I'm on, I'm up on a drum stage. So she's like, she's she was thinking, well, how are we going to, how are you going to be MD and you're not even on the floor to, yeah. you know, right. So we had this really thin microphone. Mm-hmm. We had this like we had this like microphone like cable it was like microphone it was like this thin, mm-hmm. and it was real long, and and it faced her, mm-hmm. you know, you know opposite. You know, the stage was this way. And then the, the microphone that was near, near her stand where she kept all her drinks and stuff like that was right right near there. But you couldn't see the microphone from, from the audience. Mm-hmm. And she talked to me on the microphone all night uh, with the headset. I had the headset on so I could hear everything she wanted to do. Okay. You know? And she goes, and she'd be like, well, what are we going to do? I said, how many more songs we got? Said, well, we got two more, three more. I said, we're going to do this song. No, I don't want to do that. So then, okay, all right. Yeah. So then I'm like, okay, be on right. your toes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I had the thing. Yeah. So I talked to the Pro Tools guy. Okay, next song, change this, you know. And so they tell everybody on stage, mm. okay, we're not, we're not going to do this song. We're going to do another song. Wow. You know, we, we change up like that. You know, so it was like it was like air traffic control every night. You wow. know. Yeah. You know, it's like you know, because she she changed her mind or she didn't want to do something or you know, you know, she was wild. She was she was she was great. She was just a wonderful woman. Just yeah. just so cool. Yeah. Coolest, one of the coolest people outside of all the crap they're making about these movies and stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, you know, I don't really subscribe to those movies because it's mm-hmm. not the person I know. It's mm-hmm. not really the person I knew. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw some of it, but, it, you know, the overall picture, her, you know, her abilities far outweighed what they – you know what they focus on in the movies. Right. Mm-hmm. Her abilities are. I mean, once you spend one night playing with her and he listening to her sing, you go like, oh, oh, mm-hmm. oh, you know, oh, that's what time it is. Yeah, sure. You know, because mm-hmm. nobody could come up to that level. Right. I mean, even our best singers, mm-hmm. we had, we had fantastic background singers. You know, and I've seen some videos, man. When I'm playing drums behind her, and I'm just beating the crap out of the drums. I'm just like, wow. I'm just smashing the drums, and she just like ah, just singing like it was like a you know, <laughs> just singing over the drums. Right. Man. Yeah. You know that's how badass she was. Wow. You know. Your uh, your list of credentials is a mile long. We could yeah. do an episode just yep. talking about all the oh. different people that you played with. Yeah. Is that would you say this is one of your favorite gigs? And if not, are there some others that rank high on the lists that you've had uh, over the, the years? My, I think one of my, my I think my kind of have a favorite gig. Do I? Favorite gig was, because you know, because Whitney wasn't my favorite gig because I was always afraid that I didn't that I wasn't gonna be on the band again. Mm-hmm. I was always mm-hmm. like always afraid this is gonna be my last night. I know it for sure. <laughs> it's gonna be my last <laughs> tour. I always thought they were gonna fire me after every tour. Yeah. <laughs> I always like, oh yeah, I know. I, this is I'm sure they're gonna fire me after this. <laughs> I, I just know I'm not coming back. You know, I'm not coming back anyway. I don't want to come back. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'll fix them. I'll I'll fire myself <laughs> right. before they yeah. fire me. Exactly. I'll, I'll you can't show fire them. Me, I quit. You right. can't fire me. I'm already yeah. firing myself. Yeah. And that happened for 18 <laughs> years. It happened for right? 18 years, yeah. and they call oh, me back man. again. So I'm like, wow, I'm back again. Okay, I guess. Yes, we're going to go out again. Yep. So I never thought I had that yeah. gig. I never, ever thought I did a good job on the gig. So, um, but I, I, my favorite, most favorite gig, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, I have, I have some, what, my, I, I think Bruce Hornsby was like probably uh, one of the most fun kind of gigs, you know. Is it because of the music Bruce? or the company or both? Well, because Bruce is just funny, man. Mm-hmm. He was just Bruce was just 
well, you met Bruce, yeah, you know, yeah, and he's just light, kind of, uh, you know, kind of a matter of fact guy, yeah. you know, and highly intelligent, highly I mean, intelligent, yeah, yeah, extremely almost like another level, yeah, yeah. conversationally when you exactly. talk to him, he's yeah, yeah, like, yeah, Whoa. he's yeah, he's thinking about some other stuff. Yep. <clears throat> so Bruce was just a lot of fun, and uh, you know, he's always thinking, and he's always like one step ahead, and and his playing is, you know. He just has this weird kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to explain Bruce, you know, because it's so intelligent. You know, what he's doing is, is, is so intelligent, you know, and at the same time, it's very intelligent, but then it's very innocent in, in its delivery. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's an art you know, right yeah, there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. So and that was a lot of fun, and we had a, it was a smaller kind of situation, a smaller band, and mm-hmm. we'd play some great venues, you know. We, you know, we play these great places. We play like you know a lot of places back east, you know, you know, playing Connecticut, you know, and mm-hmm. you know those kind of places, you know, wine countries, and so, you know, you know. So it was a fun gig. Yeah, and sounds then like also, it. Will. Al Jarreau was always fun too. Mm. Al, yeah. Al was really nice. Al was really good. Al was a lot of fun, but it was. Uh, uh, a lot of times when you're doing gigs, all depends on not only the artists but the musicians that you that that are working with you, and how you get along with these people, mm-hmm. you know. And that's a big part of you know uh, working, you know, doing you know doing doing touring and stuff like that is like you know who you're working with, who's sitting next to you, who's playing with you, and you got you know, get along and you know and you know you you know I like Bruce because you know Ben and Jerry used to come and hang out you know, on the bus on the tour buses you know because they were from back from back east right, right. Yeah. so they come and hang on the tour bus man and he like you know they put bring ice cream on the on, yeah. you know, no know. wonder yeah. it was the best gig yeah, yeah. yeah right so you like yeah. you open up the refrigerator it's like a whole slew yeah. yeah a whole slew of new Ben and Jerry's you're like oh, <laughs> you know so so we like be ODing on Ben and Jerry's yeah. and then we have like you know, and and Bruce would always invite all these crazy people. On stage, you know, during the uh, during his concerts, you know, everybody would dance on stage, and mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know, and it, it, you know, a lot of girls would come on, but it wasn't sexy. But the gr- you know, the girls would come on, they'd be dancing, and they had this hair, and you know, <laughs> didn't wash or something, or mm-hmm. smell of patchouli in the air or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, you're like, oh, 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 oh no, you know, and they, you know. So it was just this weird kind of hippie. IBM-ish hippie kind of startup, <laughs> crossover kind of crossover yeah. startup people. You know, yeah. It was just this weird mix yeah. of all these people. You know, and it was so it was so it was cool. You know, and Bruce was Bruce could be Bruce could be like brutally political, mm-hmm. but at the same time, like it'd be so quick, you just you'd miss it. You know, if mm-hmm. you weren't smart. You know, so it was it was and it was so it was cool. And then he would you know Bruce was like you know he'd like let the bass player do his. Uh, uh, Radio interviews sometimes, you know, because he I just mean, didn't want to show up. You yeah, know, you go. Like, you know, yeah, you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's, he said, he's, he, you know, and JV's the bass player. He's just a big black cat, you know. He said, he said, well, he said, Bruce was like, well, well, nobody knows what I look like anymore. You go do the interview. <laughs> so JV would do, you know, interview, you know. Yeah. You know that's how Bruce is, you know. Yeah. You know, fun, so he, he was a fun, he was a fun cat, just a, just a fun guy, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really fun. Real matter of fact, you know. Sure. You know, so that that was a that was a fun gig, you know. Mm, yeah. But it was I've done so many gigs. I don't know. Done so done so much stuff. So, you know. Yeah. Was, you know, ready to. Uh, God, I'm really that old, huh? 
<laughs> no, that experience. Yeah, just that experience. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know. Every, you know. Every time you do something, it's always new. Yeah. It's always absolutely, you know, absolutely, um, you know, <clears throat> you know, the, the, there was one band that I wish we had. I had a band. It was, I was in a band with Andy Summers one time, and I always wish that band would have would have taken off. <clears throat> we never, we, we never did. But, but then, you know, now that I'm, now I understand where Andy was coming from, you know, cause he wanted to start this group, but he, he didn't want to be famous anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure yeah. that takes its toll in some, yeah. some yeah. ways. Yeah. He just didn't want to, and, and I couldn't understand it at the time when we were doing the band. Cause I was like, you know, like, come on, man, we're going to be famous. Andy Summers, you know, it's a, it's a trio. Yeah. Power mm-hmm. trio, you know, it's, mm-hmm. this is going to be great. And he was like, you know, he's like, man, you know, he says, I've already done this. He says, I don't, you know, I'm not looking at, I don't want, you know, basically saying I don't want to be famous anymore. I just want to, I just want to have some fun playing music, you know. Mm-hmm. That seems like that is uh, the opposite of a lot of what's happening now in pop music, mm-hmm. where people would prefer just to be famous. Yeah, I know. And the quality of the music, that's one of the things I wanted to ask you know, coming into today is when you look around the current uh, landscape of music yeah. in 2018, right. what do you think and what do you see out there? Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not mad at, at people for wanting to do that because that's the only, you know, that's the reason why everyone gets into this business, you know, but, you know, they want to be famous, you know I mean? They want to be, be known for, it's, it's just, it's that, it's that kind of climate in, in almost every kind of business. It's like people want to be famous. They want to be known for something. Mm-hmm. They want, it's like the, it's the, it's the era of me, uh, you know, I'm great, I'm this, I, you know, I want to be recognized. Mm-hmm. And they'll get over it. <laughs> <laughs> they'll get over it. It's going to happen. You're going to get, you know, it's, do it while you can because you're going to get over it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to get over it and, you, and then you're, gonna, you're going to, uh, um, you know, if you get famous and if you, if you end up, you know, taking that on, then... You can take it on, and then you're you're you're, you're going to wish. At some point, you're going to wish. Well, you know, I don't really like this so much. I just want to. I just want to go home and. Hmm. I just want to go home and curl up to my book and by the fire. And yeah. just, you know, be done it's with it. It's one of my know? favorite things. Yeah, I mean, what do you think? Gonna... What do you think it is that turns people around almost to go back to being less famous than they were? Um, I think uh, life, you know, and then, uh, you know. Okay, like I was, you know, because I, I, my, my base, I listen to like usually, I usually listen to college radio or you know the hip hop stations. You know, it's about, it's about for me, it's about all that's worth listening to because it's it's new and mm-hmm. and and you know, and I just think I think there's some rhythmically and and uh, I just think that this, you know, the hip hop thing there's just some incredible stuff going on musically and and uh, you know I like like. Cardi B, I love that. Shit. I love that. <laughs> stuff. Like, oh man, offsetting them. I'm loving that. I'm like, oh man, this is this great. This is so great. You know how they come up with this, you know? Mm-hmm. And you know they, you know they have baby now, so right. And yeah. They went in the hospital yesterday, so I know all. I know what's going on. Man, you're on <laughs> they went in the hospital yesterday, so they were at the hospital. But I mean, you know, you're gonna get tired of people following you around. You know, you, mm-hmm. you you're gonna get you're gonna get tired. And, 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 uh, you know, you know, Whitney was like that. She, she was like, she was tired of it. 
you mm-hmm. know. She was she was she was tired of it. She she wanted out. Mm-hmm. To a certain extent, she wanted out. Mm-hmm. I, I I know that. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, um, uh, you know, Michael wanted out. Mm-hmm. You know, they all you all everybody wants out at at a certain point. You just get tired of it. You get tired of it, just like if you had to, you know, if, if you had to eat, if you had to eat a certain food every night. If you had to eat Indian food, I love Indian food. Mm-hmm. I, I love Indian. But if I had to eat Indian food every 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 day or every other day, I get tired of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, it's like anything. You go, you're going to get tired of it. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to be famous or if you're going to do it, yeah, do it now. Do it while you're young. Do it while you have energy to do it. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to get tired of checking into a hotel. You're going to get tired of, you know, you get to the hotel room. Okay, well. Oh gosh, there's not enough soap or whatever. Oh God, now I got to go down to the lobby and get some soap, <laughs> you know. <laughs> or now I got to go down and talk. You know, oh this the TV's not working. Oh now I got I got to call downstairs. You know, I got to the point, man. I'm sitting in the hotel room and I just I'm in the hotel room. First thing I do, I was telling my wife. You know, <laughs> my wife says, Michael, you don't do nothing. You are here. You are boring. I says, yeah, I know I'm boring. <laughs> I go to the hotel room, and first thing I do, I walk in the hotel room, close the curtains and everything, find the, find the, find the remote. television yeah. remote and wait for the sound check. Go to sound check, get back to the room after sound check, get the remote, you know. Mm-hmm. Go do the gig, you know. Because after a while, you get tired of people saying how great you did or whatever like that. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, you know how good, you, you know if you did good or not, right. you know. Yep. You're your own worst judge. So you go like, oh, man, no, I really, really sucked. But I was sucking all night. But somebody keeps saying I was great. But I was sucking. Mm-hmm. I know because I know what I can do. But yeah. I was sucking, you know. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you'll you get tired. You know, you'll get tired at some point. You'll get tired of somebody patting you on the back, you get tired, you know, you, you, and then after you have a family and after you have kids, you're not thinking, you just want, you just want your kids to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not thinking about going on stage. I'm wondering where my daughter is and if she's okay and if she's going to, uh, you know, if she's going to marry the right guy. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I'm thinking about these days. I'm thinking about my daughter in Italy. How, you know, she, you know, she, she's a dancer and she wants to go in. I'm thinking about, well, Man, I hope she doesn't get all wrapped up into this crazy. You know, you, you think about things like that when you. When I hear you say that, it, it just uh, it reminds me that people who culture puts on a pedestal, whether it's performers right. or athletes or whatever it yeah. is, are all human at the end of the day with the yeah. same concerns that mm-hmm. other people have. Absolutely, the same normal the same concerns normal and yeah. worries mm-hmm. yeah. that everybody else has. Because Whitney's daughter, Bobby Chris, she grew up. I mean, I, you know, I have no words. I mean. My daughter and her used to kind of play together when they were babies. Mm-hmm. My daughter used to go over and do sleepovers at Whitney's. You know, mm-hmm. it's like Whitney be in the limousine. Can Aisha come with us? I said, okay, yeah, yeah. she can come. She can come. Okay, she's gonna sleep. She's gonna stay with Bobby. Okay, all right, all right. You know, and, and I'm like rolling down and looking at Whitney. I said, look now, <laughs> take care of my daughter. Right. Yeah. You know, I said, yep. don't worry, Michael. She's gonna be fine. She's gonna be fine. Okay, all right. All right. I said, you know, because I didn't want to stay at the house with them. I just want I go stay in a hotel. But you know, but you. You know, you worry about those things. You don't, mm-hmm. you know. And so after a while, I mean, fame, I mean, what is it? I mean, you know, everybody can't be famous. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> we're, saying, we're all famous. Then there would be no famous. Yeah, right. yeah. We're all famous, all of us. Right. 
<laughs> We're all famous. Is there enough room for all of us to be famous? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Are you more famous than me? Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get more likes? Uh-oh. You, know? yep. you get you a know? lot of likes. You do. Oh, yeah. man. It's, it's like, you know. I know. It's the you know, it's that the rat race. It's that rat race. But yeah. you, get t- you get tired of it. You get tired of yeah. it because you just want. Everybody does. I mean, it's no. I don't know anybody that, that has not gotten tired of that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know one. You know, mm-hmm. I, I. You know, mm-hmm. you just. It's, you know, it's. But I. I think it's there to be enjoyed for the ones who can, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. I think sure. it's there to be enjoyed. You know, so if somebody loves you for what you're doing and you got something to offer. Then cool. Mm-hmm. You know, enjoy it and have fun with it mm-hmm. because that's what it's there for. It's it's there to have fun. You know. Um, is absolutely nothing, you know, nothing wrong with it. You know, it's, you know, mm-hmm. especially if you have a good message or if you can bring something positive into the, into the universe with that, then all the more, you know, mm-hmm. because you will get tired of it eventually, just like anything else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It has its time, its place and time. It has and, its time yeah. and place and time. Yeah. So when, it, you know, when you can have it and you can do it, Enjoy it and have fun with it, and just let it let it be what it is. Yeah, and you look like DeBarge. I told you that, right? You did. Yeah, yeah. I still look like DeBarge, yeah. man. You told me that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the first time I walked in here, yeah, the first time I walked in here, yeah. did you see yeah. them guys? Oh yeah, you saw them. Yeah, yeah. You look like they could be yeah. the family. Right? Yeah, yeah, man. I told you. That. Yeah, you did. Because right after, I was like, oh man, I was like, I gotta remember what. The barge, yeah, bar, yeah. yeah. Like, you look just oh, like on, them man. kids, man. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah. Because I, when I came to LA, when I came to LA, those were the cats. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. When, when DeBarge was the shit. Yep. Yeah. I mean, El DeBarge, mm-hmm. he was the guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. El DeBarge was like, I mean, he was, <laughs> you know. And you go, you look like him, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like you know the same, you know, the whole family line. You look yeah. like you look like yeah. him, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, I when, I, that, remember when I walked in, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. I kind of look yeah, at you. Yeah, you're like, wait, wait a minute. minute. You look like DeBarge, man. <laughs> yeah. Is it, <laughs> Wait a minute! Hold on, oh, man. Well, they they were the cats. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. the whole family, because all of them could sing, mm-hmm. all of them could write, and they were they were like uh, they were they're pretty much a phenomenon. They're that, that family. Mm-hmm. They're they all, but they were gangster too. Mm. They were all serious gangster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah don't, don't mess with the barge. Yeah. 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 Every, yeah. No, everybody knows the barge was gangster. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They, they were they were seriously talented. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Well, should we move on to our uh, our next segment here? We have, a, we have a, every every show we do a segment oh, okay. called yeah. Quiz Time. Oh, Quiz Time. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a series yeah. of questions. All right. Being from Duluth, right. I figured we yeah. should have some questions about Duluth. About Duluth. All right. Yeah, Taking yeah, it back yeah. to the roots. Some of them multiple choice, true, false. Right. 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 So the first question: What statue stands in the Duluth Rose Garden? Was it Scott Fitzgerald, Laura Ingalls Wilder? Leif Erickson or John F. Kennedy? Leif Erickson. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah, okay. see, we were guessing earlier, and then Dave was like, Yeah, he, Dave guys. knew immediately, too. I, I figured, was like, I don't you know, know. People yeah. from Duluth. <laughs> but he was, he was a Norwegian explorer. He's yeah. a Norwegian explorer, right? Who, was, explorer. who landed there hundreds of years before Columbus. Exactly. Yeah. I know. Yeah, absolutely. Which is incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. 
There yeah. you go. Your, 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 your boy might have been a descendant of Leif Erikson with the beard, oh, oh, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Right? Glenn? Yeah. 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 Oh, man. <laughs> Glenn was one of a kind, man. Yeah. He was one of a kind. That's great. Glenn was one of those guys, man. If there, was a, if there was a fight, he was going in with you. Yeah, he had your back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. He was like, yeah, he was going. He, you know, he grabbed. We were, oh, I tell you, uh-huh. I, perfect example of Glenn. We were like, we, we our band had finally we were like almost made the big time we were we were opening for Fog Hat. Oh yeah, yeah, man! At the Duluth Arena, and they said, "Well, no more no more opening bands, no more opening bands. You guys can't go on." We were all set up. We we're getting ready to go on. The no. Fog Hat pulls the plug on us. Aww. So Glenn grabs like all my drum, these dr- big, big, big handful of drumsticks, no. and he's oh, going no. after the tour. He had to go <laughs> <up the stage. laughs> like, you know, we had to pull him off. You know, right? Yeah, that's Glenn. Oh my God! Uh, he wasn't having it. No, he wasn't having it. <laughs> I'm know. getting up there. I'm getting up there. We're playing. Yeah. We're playing. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. All right, yeah. number two. Yeah. True or false? Yeah. There's a statue of an anchor in Duluth Waterfront Sculpture Park. Oh, waterfront. True or false? Is it, is it, is it, yes, it's true. Yeah, it is true. There you go. Not bad. Two for two. Yeah. Uh, number three. Duluth was once home to more blank per capita than any other city in the world. Fishermen, mm-hmm. millionaires, millionaires, sir. Man, <laughs> oh, dude. absolutely right. Yes, oh, three for three. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Before when he was yeah, telling yeah, that story knows. about Eastside, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was thinking to myself that he was going to get that <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I knew he yeah. was going to get that yeah. right. Oh, that's yeah. great, man. Yeah. What? Where? Uh, where was all the money coming from? Um. Uh, uh, iron mining industry, okay. mm-hmm. taconite, yeah. and mm-hmm. um, a lot of millionaires used to just like Duluth was a um, Duluth was like a getaway spot, mm-hmm. this getaway place, and they they used to build build pla- build places on the lake lakefront property, yeah, they used mm-hmm. to, on London Road, and they used to like build their mansions and stuff there. Mm-hmm. Up the up the uh, up the way further. Isn't there like a, a house where it's not, I don't know if it's Al Capone or it's somebody. Congdon Mansion. Yeah. The Congdon family. Yeah. Okay. That's the Congdon family. That that house is, that house is, is like a, it's a, uh, like one of the wonders of the world. I mean, uh-huh. this guy, he was like a, just a billionaire and he, he would bring in all sorts of things from different countries. He'd bring in different, like, you know. Uh, wood from like Turkey and mm-hmm. wow. you know just I mean everything was really elaborately done in, in the house inside the Congdon house okay you know? yeah, it's like that house is a pretty they, they shot a film there um, uh, Patty Duke Austin shot a film there called uh, You'll Like My Mother and it was uh, about a murder that happened and and actually a murder did happen in that house the, the oh. Congdon the Congdon uh, it's a big murder mystery about that house. Can you tour there. that now? Is, is, yeah, you can tour it. That's what yeah. I thought. Yeah. That's Congdon, pretty cool. Yeah, that was, okay. Congdon Mansion. Everybody knows cool. it. Cool. Man. All right. Yeah. That's great, man. He's three yeah. for three. Three for three. Yeah. Number four, yeah. Duluth forms a metropolitan area with its neighbor, Superior, Wisconsin. What is the nickname of these two cities? Oh, the nickname of these two cities? Oh, gosh. You got me there. Wait a minute. The Twin Cities. No. Very close. What? Twin... Twin so, that's it. Oh, yeah. There you go. Great. <laughs> Done. Yes, we'll give that to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Is he allowed to ask Dave for a hint? Just oh, in he case, could. I mean, uh, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's like you're phone yeah. a friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Twin ports, uh, right. Number five. Yeah. 
Before the lake walk was built in 1988, what was previously located there? A scrapyard, a strip club, a car dealership, or all the above? All the above. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But basically, basically, that was a part, when they they built that freeway through that area, they destroyed the downtown, the whole down the Superior Street, it was this great street where all the, you know, the stores and the shops and all this kind of stuff was going on, you know. And when when they built that back way, mm-hmm. that one street, it just killed the inner city part of that, you know, killed mm-hmm. the commerce. Yeah. And and anybody that's from Duluth, I don't know if you hate as much as I do, <laughs> you hate that doggone runway that they put or that freeway they put right through there you know and and, and basically they they uh but they also put like houses and some okay. property and stuff like that on okay. there but they kind of messed up the whole leaf erickson park vibe mm-hmm. so is that where canal park is now on the one side and like the downtown's on the other side and it's just a yeah. big split right between is yeah, that the it, is that it, the area well it's like it's kind of like it all used to be pretty much like one concept yeah you know, you got the canal park, and then you, then you know, that part would be there. But then you have, you know, you didn't have that freeway going under there right. to bypass the city. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because if you, you know, so if you went, if you're going through there, you have to go down Superior Street, mm-hmm. and then go past London, go down London Road, and then go on to the freeway to the next place. But right. now they got it where you can go like, mm, you, you skip go right the back through. way, yep. you skip mm-hmm. right through. Yeah. But that's no fun. Right, right. It messed up a lot of things, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. It yeah. messed up the beauty of what I think the beauty of the city, you mm-hmm. know. I-94 in the Twin Cities is like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that all used to be one neighborhood. And then mm-hmm. they, put, they put the 94 freeway going right, going right Split through. Split it right, right down. Right. And, right. Yeah. Yep. Right, right, yeah. right. So, I mean, I don't know who thinks about these things, but they mm-hmm. all, but, you know, it kind mm-hmm. of. <laughs> yeah, it changes you know, a I lot. I was talking about that last night. Yeah. You know, I was talking about when they when they make decisions to do things and they don't really think of the charm of, of, of what's, of what, um, you know, mm-hmm. they, 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 you know, they, they forget, you know, I don't, I don't know who thinks about these things and they, because yeah. it, they, they, you kind of kill the charm of yeah. what breaking up communities, breaking up and communities yep. and yeah. everything else, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And I don't know. Capitalism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 you know, it's a whole other conversation right I, there. Man. <laughs> I have no words. Yep. Sometimes I'm like, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, but also could be my age too. I don't know. And Those I, kinds of things seem to keep happening, though. Yeah, you know, yep. new construction, which sort of takes away from the charm, or yeah, uh, yeah, communities, neighborhoods, neighborhoods, yeah, is. and that's what it's all about, you know. So yeah, um, you know, because I, you know, I live over in Italy, you know, and and that's the whole thing that everybody, that's that's what everybody cherishes most about 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 living in a country like that is neighborhoods and people yep. and communities and people getting together and that whole that whole thing you know and that's the most important thing about their society is that that's what that reigns supreme over everything else mm-hmm. communities and people and being able to get together and stuff like that is the most important thing yeah you know we had a chance to hear from Jason a little bit when he came back oh, about yeah, from, what mm-hmm. it was like oh, yeah, yeah. there. And <laughs> yeah. It sounded like a Jason, very romantic Jason place in terms time. of Absolutely. culture and yeah. food yeah. and oh, man. the whole nine yeah, yeah. yards. It is something else, you know. It's 
when you're every yeah. day you like you said you yeah. get up you walk the beach with your friends yeah yeah, yeah why would you want to do anything yeah. else yeah. why I mean, would you want to do anything else it's, it's a I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible life. You right. Know? Certain mm-hmm. things, certain things they, you know, they haven't, certain things they just don't, you know, they, they totally get wrong. But I think that's what everybody, but there's one thing that they just definitely, that, that holds the glue, that holds their, their, their lifestyle and that holds their communities together is that whole thing about people, mm-hmm. people, people, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Friends, family, friends, family. Yeah, mm-hmm. you really. Yeah. I really noticed it yeah. in the younger kids too. Mm-hmm. There was no, there's no kids table at dinner time. You know, they're right there with the adults yeah, with the, talking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. No phones. It's right. like, yeah, yeah. Totally. you know, totally. they. It starts at a very young age there, yeah. where you have to engage with you the adults. Engage, this right? is part of the yeah, thing. This is what thing. we do. Yeah, it's part of the thing. What do you? What do you? What do you? You know, it's like if I said, you know. You know, if I, my wife says to me, hey, we're going to go have dinner with uh, so-and-so, you know. You know. What do you mean you're not coming? Right. <laughs> are, you, are you kidding? Right. Like, like, are, you, are you joking? Yeah, you, you, you have to be there. Are, are you kidding? You're not uh-huh. coming. No, you don't have to practice tonight. You, you We go to dinner mm-hmm. with, you know, with so-and-so and so-and-so. Mm-hmm. You know. If I say, oh, well, I got to practice. What? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> no. You come with us. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So that's so you know, I I hate that we uh you know I hate that we're missing the missing the gig here, you know, know. in our country, you know. Yep. I hate that. I think it's cool that you are there now, it's your home base and you had talked about yeah. traveling there at a yeah. younger age and yeah. you used the term falling in love with it. Yeah. And you know yeah. your your life has taken you back there now. Yeah, it's a very strange, very strange thing, and it was, it was also strange. Is like, so I, I, you know, was, you know, I've had a lot of Italian friends even before I moved there. I had a lot of Italian friends. I was like, what's this? What's this whole thing of this Italy thing? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but it's it's kind of a magical. It's a magical place. Mm-hmm. It's 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 very weird. I mean, the, you know. They they definitely have their they definitely have huge problems in regards to money and and the way things are their political system and everything, but overall, they're um, it's a very magical place in in, it, in its way. It's very very it's like a trance, you know. It's, yep. it's weird. It's a very weird thing. But you mm-hmm. get going there and you're like, there's a lot of Americans. That have you know, it's okay. You know, you know, Sting lives out there. Mm-hmm. You know, he he lives there. You got uh, I think um, I know Peter Gabriel. He lives out in Sardinia. Oh and, man! And um, I just played with a bass player a couple weeks ago in uh, France, and he he just moved there from uh, from D.C. Married an Italian woman, and he mm-hmm. lives there. He's got a daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, I know William Defoe lives in Rome. The actor, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, a lot of people just gravitate there. You know, a lot of artist types mm-hmm. gravitate there because of the because of the just the beauty and the art and the, and then just being able to like be a human being. You know, it's which is really yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, everybody's which kind is, of taking care of each other and yeah, hospitality yeah. is incredible. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, the house, yeah. It's so sometimes you know, they say, well, is it like a Julia Roberts film? I said, yeah, 
kind of like that. Yeah, <laughs> just, just like that. It's like that. It's like yeah. a Julia Roberts film. Yeah, yeah. a lot of a lot, lot of things are. Yeah, just like, just like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really it's really nice. So, mm-hmm. so um, I gave up a lot. You know, I gave up a lot of things. You know, in order to live there. You know, I, I gave up um, a lot of my career. A lot of career decisions and stuff were, you know, I basically dropped out, dropped out of sight, you know, for the most part, mm. as far as my drumming career and everything. I just kind of like, uh, I mean, after part of part of it was, you know, becoming ill. But then, you know, I willfully just dropped out of sight and just kind of like, okay. You know. For as much as you might have given up, those to use your words, it sounds yeah. like you gained a lot in return, just on a yeah. human level by being it there did, in, yeah. in that yeah. community. So I did, yeah, I did, I did. I found, you know, I finally found somebody who could put up with my stupid crap. You know, <laughs> 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 I found, a, found a woman who could put up with my crap, and mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, we have a nice, we have a beautiful daughter, and we have a very simple life there, and um, you know, you really don't need much. Really, not mm-hmm. really, because a lot of stuff we can't get there. Mm-hmm. So if you don't, if you don't, if you don't have certain things, you don't miss it so much. You really don't sure. miss things. Yeah, there's some truth you to know, that. You really don't miss. I don't. I you know sometimes I get you know I'm here and then I get back there in Italy and I go and I forgot this I forgot that I forgot to bring. I didn't really need it. Did yeah, I? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm not missing it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. What was it? What was it I missed? Yeah. What, was it? what was it I forgot? I know I forgot it, but I don't know what it is. Yeah. And it's still there. Right. <laughs> you great, know? Man. Yeah. So. Well, should we uh, do a little Dave asks before we? Uh, yeah. Before we wrap. Mm-hmm. Next segment we we it's called Dave asks. Dave asks. Cameraman Dave. Okay. Producer. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, so I was going to ask you yeah. a couple, couple of things around my mind, but, uh, so you've been living abroad for how long now? Um, close to 15 years. Okay. Yeah. So what, you know, this is actually like, so then like going from Obama yeah. to Trump yeah. and just having that perspective from, yeah. you know, not, I know you're over here a lot, I'm sure. Sure. Yeah. I'm, but yeah. like, how do you, how do you see that from the other side of the, the pond there? Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what, and I say this a lot to people, I say, you know, you know, our country is, we're a young country, you know, we're what, uh, 500 years old or something, what are we? States? Yeah, 200 years? 250, 270, like 200, like mental math, yeah. Okay, so what, what it is is that, okay, 250. this is the difference, the difference is in Italy, you know, your father, your family owns a pizza shop. Probably you're going to run the pizza shop <laughs> when they're gone. Right. More than like 90% you're going to do pizza. Yeah. yeah. Even if you want to do, you want to fly airplanes, you know, oh, I want to fly, I want to fly airplanes. No. Pizza. You're gonna you make pizza. pizza. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to. I studied to fly. I have a. I, I studied to fly airplanes. Forget about the airplanes. You do pizza. That's how it is in Italy. In America, we do whatever we want to do. We can be anything we want to be. And I don't understand 
why we're giving all that up. You know, we voted in this guy, and we're basically what we're doing is the world looked up to America, looked up to all of our freedoms, looks up to all of our differences, looks up to how we all get along or how we all try to make it work. Every European country looks at us like that, and they say, wow, I want to go to America. I want to be like Americans. Wow, they, they have so much freedom. They can do what they want to do. They don't have to make pizza. They don't have to, you know, they don't have to, you know, if they want to study this, they can do whatever they want to do. They have such a great opportunity. And now what we're doing with this, with this, with what's going on, people aren't proud of us over in other countries. They're, they're not looking at us like, they're kind of looking at us like, whoa, what's wrong with them? What happened? What happened? When Obama was president, they loved us. They just, oh, man, Obama, this, you know, America's just, wow, what a great concept, their country, you know. Mm-hmm. They're looking at us like we have lost our minds. Mm-hmm. They're looking at our country like we have lost our freaking minds. Like we just threw everything away. Mm-hmm. And and it's and I think that we here in America don't really realize the impact of what what has happened to our country. We don't really realize how much it's hurt everyone else and how much it's that that has impacted Italy has impacted Germany. It's impacted only people hasn't. It's impacted all the European countries to a certain extent. To whereas people who think small-minded and people who want to be uh, uh, nationalists or right-wing or mm-hmm. you know alt-right or whatever they crap that they're thinking about, which ain't going to happen anyway, because the world is changing, but. It's it's affected every it, our decision has affected everybody. Even though we're such a young country, mm-hmm. you know, even though we're the youngest country, you know, you would th- I mean, you know, these other countries, you know, Europe is like thousands of years old, and we're just like this young country. But we were this kind of shining idea, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't real, we were still the idea. Well, now we're not even the idea. You know, we're like, people are going like, what is going on here? What, what happened? You know, I saw a headline of an article yesterday that said, has the great American experiment failed, which is a term from the George Washington, Yeah, you know, that people can govern themselves through election and, right. and by what's going on now, the, the, right. the scope of the article was, right. Has the the reality of that idea played itself out now, right. and we're witnessing what happens if yes. you know the experiment and, goes wrong? And, and it's and the thing is, is that I think as Americans, we don't really understand how much of an impact we had on the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, how important it was for everybody, mm. because it's important for kids to, you know. I we, I remember we were playing in we were playing in South Africa with Whitney when we did that um, Mandela mm-hmm. big Mandela concert and. And uh, we were so we were there for about two weeks or three weeks or something. And we're sitting in a restaurant. I'll never forget this. We're sitting in a restaurant, 
and there was this kid waiting, waiting the tables, you know. And he was just, you know, he had been waiting for seven years to have a visa, passport visa, to visit America. To mm-hmm. not, not to stay, just mm-hmm. to visit. Mm-hmm. And I remember the look on his face. He was so happy that we were there and he could meet people from Whitney Houston's band. And, and he was like, oh, I've got this visa and I'm going to go to America. I'm going to visit, you know, for, I'm going to visit for three weeks or something like that, you know. And mm-hmm. that, was a, that was his, you know. And I, I think that we, uh, you know, we got so, maybe we got so, I don't know, we, we didn't get spoiled, but we got somehow, we got derailed big time. Our country, we are totally derailed. And we don't understand how good that, that we were okay. We were doing fine. We didn't need to, you know, we just needed to let some things keep moving forward. You know, we just needed to, we needed to be more inclusive to everyone. We needed to grow up. We needed just to keep growing. We needed to, you know, you know, we needed to listen to each other more. We needed to do all this stuff. We didn't need to, like, make this, you know. I mean, what happened? You know, Wisconsin. What happened? You know, I'm, I, I used to love Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Right down the street from Wisconsin. Twin Ports, mm-hmm. man. You were right yeah, across yeah. the lake. I used to have girlfriends in Wisconsin. I used to hang in Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. What happened? You know what I mean? I'm like, mm-hmm. what, y'all, y'all going to be like that now? Right. What? Mm-hmm. What happened? Mm-hmm. Or was it always like that? I don't know. Right. I, I look at it you sometimes know? like it's the um, it's the traits that are in all of us yeah. that make us sort of human, but they're bubbling up on a large scale like – greed and power and some people just have those in them to the point where they're going to uh, it's just going to get exposed on oh, a large man. scale and it's ugly to watch it but play it's a out funny thing because nobody gets out of here alive yeah none of us get out of here alive mm-hmm. i don't care what you got i don't care how much money you got nobody gets out alive mm-hmm. so what so what are we scrambling for yeah. what is everybody scrambling to hold on to he is this you know Mm-hmm. Nobody gets out of this. Nobody gets out of here. Uh, nobody gets out of here alive. Yep. Not one. So, you know, I, you know, and and I think that, you know, in America we had, you know, we were messing up our opportunity. We're just, you know, we're totally messing up our opportunity. And 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 how much that we affect the rest of the world. How how much that we affect the decision. You know, Italy is now got this, uh, you know, right wing government. Mm-hmm. Italy, you know, mm-hmm. and part of it I understand. I say when they got tired of taking in, being responsible for all uh, a huge part of immigration that comes into their ports and everything, because they don't have the infrastructure and they don't have the money and the infrastructure and everything to to hold it all together. Um, but you know, but that's I'm not. A, political person i don't really understand politics but at the same time i do understand how america i've traveled enough to know and to see how much america impacts the rest of the world and how how everyone wants to be like americans everyone wants to have the american sound everybody wants to have the american beat everybody wants to have the you know how america we want to do it like the americans we want to do it like the americans Mm -hmm. now they're like oh guess we don't want to do that. 
Hmm. I guess we don't want to be like Americans because we, you know, we're dropping the ball here. We yeah. dropped it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 really sad. Yeah. Do you think? Um, is there is there anything that you feel like as artists that mm-hmm. we should be doing in particular? Like, do you feel like there's any kind of responsibility that artists have when it comes to all this? I don't know, because uh, part of me is. Um, uh, on one on one end, I'm a little bit I'm a I'm I'm a little bit disconnected from a certain part of the industry that's that's younger and has a different point of view that mm-hmm. has a that has a another set of values and point of view. So I can't. It's hard for me to even speak, you know, to uh, to a generation that that has a whole other take on things, you know, because maybe there's you know the the younger generation probably is thinking a lot farther ahead of the a lot farther ahead of the game, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like my son is like 19 and I know he's thinking about some other stuff. He's you know, he's like looking at this and going it doesn't affect him as much mm-hmm. because because it's so wild and out. It's so wild mm-hmm. that it it can't be what he's about. Mm-hmm. So I think that you know, it's it, it it affects people my age more or to a certain age demographic it affects it affects us more but to a younger younger generation they're like they're thinking like you know what y'all are crazy I'll say yeah yeah you know, what did y'all do <laughs> what did y'all do yeah. what did y'all do because we're not part of that right mm-hmm. because it, it's impossible for these young kids to be like that you know, it's impossible for these young kids to be so racist, so hateful, so crazy and everything. Maybe, you know, they they might be more self-centered and more about, you know, uh, they, they're about this other culture, you know, about the I, me culture and, you know, but they're not a part of this other thing, this other insidious kind of crazy greed kind of, they're not about that, mm-hmm. you know, and... Um, so I don't think that, I don't, I don't think there's any decision or any, anything that can be really, um, any, any judgment can be made on, on, on that part of it because I don't, because I think it's more, it's more, it's more of a a generational uh, error, you know, of, of, uh, people of my generation and maybe a little older and everything, you know, but that's more on us. Mm -hmm. It's not a reflection of the babies, the kids. Mm-hmm. You know, because the kids are like, y'all are some stupid, you know, we don't even, you know, we don't even understand yeah, this guy. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, every yeah. new generation is sweeping up the decisions of the last yeah. one. Right. I mean, that's just the way it's yeah. been. I talked yeah. to my son and he's mm-hmm. like, he's like, he's like, you know, because my son is involved in politics and he works for Amy Kobachar. Mm-hmm. He works directly with her and in mm-hmm. her office. Mm-hmm. So he's all about going to the next thing he's thinking about the next election he's thinking about the next terms and all this other kind of stuff he's not even thinking about the knucklehead that we have in office mm-hmm. you know yeah thinking ahead mm-hmm. yeah they're yeah. thinking ahead See they're thinking the about some other, seeing the other side already mm-hmm. you know but meanwhile we're stuck mm-hmm. you see and other and uh, other countries that are looking at america going like you know like you know like england you saw what happened in london mm-hmm. you saw that you know how is this you know 
you know, England has a Muslim mayor. You know, <laughs> the mayor's Muslim. That, that <clears throat> Look, man, when we stayed, when we were, last tour I did with Whitney, we stayed at a place called the Dorchester Hotel in, in, in London. It's probably one of the most expensive hotels in London. So expensive that I used to stay, I used to sit in the room. I used to sit in the room like this on the bed. Don't touch the Don't touch the mini bar. Don't look. Don't pick up the phone. Don't, yeah. don't, don't, look, don't look left. Don't look right. Yeah. Right. I was sitting there like that because I was Whitney was having problems and I I had to, I was kind of babysitting so I just decided to stay at the hotel with her so I could just be on call just in case she needed needed something. I didn't. I normally wouldn't stay at such an expensive hotel. Only people in that hotel was sheiks and Arabs and and uh, people from uh, people from Middle East. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that. You go to London, you'll see who's what's going on. Mm-hmm. Although they don't like to show what London really is, but London is a huge melting pot of people from every walk of life and every culture, mm-hmm. and that's who was out there protesting. Mm-hmm. Americans' decision, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and they're mad at us for that. Mm-hmm. They're not mad. They're not necessarily. They're mad at him, but they're also mad at our country for just for mm-hmm. doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's you justifiable. Know? Yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're mad, and so, and and what we're doing and what we're witnessing now is the repercussions of that decision. It's affected Italy. It's affected Germany. It's affected uh, France. You know. Luckily, France has got Germany and France have two really strong prime ministers, you know, mm-hmm. and that kind of keep everything under wraps and everything. But you know, London is directly, you know, we're like, we're right, right, you know, we're neighbors, you know, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. And um, but it, but basically, you know, look at Poland. I'm like thinking of Poland. How, I'm like thinking, how is the Polish going to be? We used to play there with Whitney. We used to go, we, used to play, we played a couple of concerts there, huge concerts in Poland, in Poland. Mm-hmm. Oh, so now you guys are, now y'all racist now? Oh, now? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You know, how soon we forget, you know, how soon people forget, you know? Mm. Um, I, 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 what's unfortunate is that, you know, I, Touring with Whitney all those years, we toured all the countries over and over again. We've toured all these places, thousands and thousands of people. And it's almost like it never happened. It's like it never happened. It's like it never existed. Mm. You know, I mean, this, you know, you do six months over in Europe, and then, you know, and you do it over and over again. You know, we toured Russia. We, we toured, you know, China. We've been everywhere. And since she's been gone, and since Michael Jackson's been gone, it's like it's, it's, like it's never happened. Mm-hmm. People forget that fast. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess we can just go back to how we were, you know. Let's get back, you know. Let's get back to frying people and doing what we used to do. Right. You know, yeah. let's get, you know. Let's go back to killing people again and hating people for their religion and what they look like. Let's let's go back to that. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. w- what happened? Yeah, 
you know. Someone like you, I think, who's been to many places. Yeah. It was a good, I like the, the fact that Dave asked you that question. Yeah. Because you've seen what the rest of the world is like and how it views yeah. this country. So because of the perspective you have, you're able to answer yeah. that in a really interesting yeah, we're way. Yeah, very, we're very important. Our 200-year country, we're very important. I mean, all, for even with all of our faults, with all of our terrible, terrible, uh, you know, terrible things that have happened here in America. I mean, just incredibly sick things that have happened here in America. We were still a shining you know, some kind of shining object to look at and say, okay, we, you know, people have something. Now people are going, yeah, okay. You know, America, you want to be an island? Okay, you be an island. Right. right. I was in Turkey last uh, six months, no, three, four months ago I was in Turkey because I had to, uh, my travel agent says to me, she goes, well, if you go to, if you, she says, no, I was coming here, I'm sorry. From Italy, I was coming from Italy and changing planes in Turkey, staying overnight in Turkey, and then getting on a plane and going through whatever it was. And I remember the passport situation. This is the, this is what, here's, the, here's what happened. When I left um, Italy to come to America, they checked my passport, no problem. I stayed overnight. And got them, got my visa, because uh, because you know I stayed overnight to get a cheap ticket, stayed overnight in a hotel, and then they go take the flight the next day. So no problem. Okay, on the way back, it was a month later, maybe a month and a two half, maybe two months later, coming back, our dear president has pissed off the uh, Middle Eastern community, pissed off Turkey, pissed off everybody. They changed the passport laws just that quick. Oh, wow. So coming back, I was standing in this line, in this passport line, standing for an hour in the passport line. When I finally get to the passport desk, the guy goes to me, oh, you have to go over here now. I go and I stand in another line. I get to the other line, the other guy goes, oh, American passport, you have to go over here. They were just jacking me around because uh -huh. I had an American passport. So yeah. that's what time it is now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. You got an American passport? Oh, we're going to show you. You're going to mess around with our country and you're going you're to belittle us and everything? Oh, we're going to show you. Mm -hmm. And they'll do, they do it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, hopefully it turns around. I, right. You know, yes. hopefully the work that your son and yeah. Senator Klobuchar and right. others are mm -hmm. working toward will yeah. have a positive effect going forward. Yeah, I'm hoping too. I mean, you know, for, because, you know, for traveling, it's, you know, our, the American passport now is, uh, right now as it stands, it's not such a badge of honor, mm -hmm. you know, yep. you know. Yes, it made me few. If you wear a polo shirt and khaki pants, you could probably get through. No problem. Yeah, right, man. You know, if you follow the rules to look like you're part of the part of the system, you know. Yeah, right. You know. Yep. I tried that. I didn't. Didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Tried that. Didn't work. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's so, great. But yeah, that's what's going on, yeah. man. So we have, you know, I think you know, our country has a great responsibility, and we just, we dropped the Definitely. ball, man. Yep. We dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. And they say, you know? Well, if you'll allow one more question yeah. before we let you sure. go. Yeah. And before we do, thank you so much for oh, taking no some time to come and, and hang out with oh, us. No and uh, I wish we could do this every day and talk <laughs> with you. And at least for me and maybe for you guys too, yeah. being a musician, just hearing yeah. lessons from you and experiences oh, right. is yeah. so fascinating. I, I didn't talk about music too much. Valuable. <laughs> and that's why we'll have you back again. You <laughs> um, maybe you can tie some into this last question. Yeah. Um, we like to ask all of our guests sort of a rear view mirror type question. Right. You've been so many places. Right. You played with so many people that uh, are dream gigs, yeah. you know, for the rest of us right, who are, right. are playing music. Um, if you could look back to like 11 year old Michael on the porch yeah. Yeah. practicing mm-hmm. drums, right. what sort of advice would you give to your younger self uh-huh. or maybe younger musicians in general who are kind of on the path? What the fuck are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Might be the realest answer we've gotten so far. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, you know. (laughs) Um, Well, I I mean, nowadays I would just say that, uh, you know, you know, I don't. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, n- nowadays, it's, it's not that music. Music will never disappear, and it's not gonna, it's, it's not gonna disappear, and everything is, you know, it's all people need music and everything. But I definitely think that um, the, um, I think, I think the, 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 the. the I think it's it's very important to get as much education as you can, you know, and 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 you know, not you know, you don't necessarily need a music education degree or something like that, or to you know, um, um, but definitely get have something. My dad used to always, you know, my parents used to say, you have to have something to fall back on, you know. You know, it's good to have something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. And um, music, right? I mean, it, it's, it's things are not, you know, we were having this conversation last night. Mm-hmm. You know, things are not going to get better. You know what I mean? In terms of what, of what it is that we do as musicians. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get better. It's getting different. It's getting it's different. Changing. It's yeah. changing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So whatever that change is, I would say just go for it. Go for that change because it's going to change. And I tell the story all the time. I tell this. There's one of my main pet peeves and my main story of of uh, I told I was telling Jason last night. I I remember I was working on a show in Los Angeles called Sophisticated Ladies. It was a it's a Duke Ellington musical, mm-hmm. and it was. And most of the band members at that time, I was like, I think I was 24 or 25 when I was doing that show. And uh, most of the band members were all from Duke Ellington or Count Basie's band. So these are old guys and stuff. And it was a Broadway show. It was on for a year, ran for like a solid year. So that was like, 
every week, you know, ching ka ching, you know, money was just flowing, you know, and uh, people were working. It was in LA. It was a first run show, so it was a huge show, and um, and these Broadway shows sometimes they just like quit like with the two weeks of notice. So all of a sudden, boom, the shows. Okay, we're done. Two weeks, the show's gonna be done. Mm. So we've been running for two years. <laughs> when we've been running for a year, and all of a sudden they just somebody calls and says, "Hey, show's gonna be done in two weeks." Yeah. So you got two weeks, and your show's finished. So I had been, I had just, I was still new to LA. I had just, I, I was still new in LA, and I had, um, I had stopped working with that guy Frankie Randall, and I had stopped working with him, and I just to do this show, and um, when the show closed, I had, I didn't really save a lot of money because I was hanging out and would do studio time, and you know this going, you know this money's going to go for this, 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 this train's going to go forever. <laughs> yeah. You know we're going to be here for five years, and this money's just going to keep. That's not what happened. It closed in two weeks, and I found myself pretty broke. Mm-hmm. And and nobody and I had been doing that show. Nobody knew who I was in L.A., so I didn't have a name in L.A. So, the Lynn Drum Machine had just came out, and and um, you know, you know, they were the 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 rumor was that if you wanted to work in L.A., you had to have a Lynn Drum Machine. Because mm-hmm. they wanted drummers to be able to program a Lynn drum machine, but a lot of us really great, incredible drummers like myself, <laughs> <laughs> and many other incredible, famous, incredible, great, phenomenal drummers <laughs> like myself, <laughs> decided not to buy a Lynn drum machine yeah. because we're so incredible. <laughs> Why would I need a drum machine? Right. I'm incredible. You are a drum machine. I am yeah. a drum machine. <laughs> yeah. I am I am better than a drum machine. You know, and we all we used to say, I'm actually better than a drum machine because it's the real thing. Mm-hmm. So why buy a drum machine? So I didn't buy one. Also, I didn't work for two years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. For two years I starved, I struggled, I didn't have any money. I was broke. I was so broke because no one knew who I was, so I was basically starting at square one in L.A. without a name because I had been doing that Broadway show. So I was not working, and I struggled like all get out. I started basically from square one, and I just—I always made a vow to myself. I said, if I ever get out of this, I said, anytime a new piece of technology comes up, anything that's new in the music industry or something that changes and everything, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to get it. And I'm going to learn it and I'm going to understand it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would say to, to any, any up and coming musician or whatever. Don't really worry about what, what, you know, where the, where the shit is going. Cause it's going to go wherever it goes. You, you know, you, you know, somebody's going to, you know, it's like when Prince came out, he had that, he had that Lynn drum machine and he was like wearing it out. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. And everybody wanted that sound. Mm-hmm. So don't worry about where it's where it's going to go. Just do it. Go with it. Just go with it and do it and don't worry about whether it's a, you know, like I was, I was talking to Jason, I was like, man, it's like these, you know, these new libraries that keep popping up and they got mm-hmm. stuff you can download and you're like, whoa, whoa. I mean, you know, and it's and it's it's almost criminal. You look like, you go like, man, this is like some criminal crap. 
this is crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to have a right anymore. You don't have to do. But it's not that. It's not about that. It's something else coming up. Mm-hmm. It's something that we just haven't seen yet. Yeah. You know, and it's something, something's, and something's going to come, come down and then that's going to be the way to go. And that's where it's going to be. And if you're not on that, you're going to get left behind. Mm-hmm. It's just that simple. You yeah. Know? And so mm, I don't great. think there's anything to be afraid of or anything to worry about. It's just music and it's just, that's just where this stuff is going. And if you're not going there, you know, just don't be stupid. Go there. Just mm-hmm. go with it. You know, because a lot of us in, the, in, in certain generations, we're like, well, that's not how we did it in the old right. days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not right. how it's done and it's not how it's done. Well, no, it's not how it's done. And we can't worry about whether a kid can find middle C on a piano because they probably can't. Mm-hmm. But that's that's not important anymore. They got machines that can find middle C for you now. They got machines that find <laughs> middle C for you now. Yeah. Right, you know. Yep. So you just got to go where it is. Just mm-hmm. just go with it. Don't worry about who's who's inventing, you know. I love me some Cardi B, man. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, <laughs> I'm all over that. <laughs> I'm all over this. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's wonderful to see, you know, it's wonderful to hear, you know, hear, hear what these kids are doing, man. It's unbelievable. You know they got some. They on some other shit, man. Yeah. And so you, if you're not on, if you're not on it, then you're you're out of the picture. Yeah. Mm. Yep. It's that simple. Great. Yeah. Well, man, we sure appreciate your perspectives, yeah. your time. <laughs> yeah. And we're gonna come Thanks visit you. In, we're gonna come visit you in Italy for the next. Please do. Uh, yeah. For the next taping. <laughs> please, please do, man. Please do. We'll do it on the seaside. Oh yeah. Can't yeah. wait. Yeah. We'll do it on the seaside. And you'll, Can't you'll wait. See the sea. We'll have we'll have some. Fish, yes. uh, some fried fish, and you know, you know, you know how the fuck we I roll. Do. <laughs> we roll, man. Yeah, you know how we roll it's in only the bus, uh, man. We were Jason, we were like, we were recording oh out my there, gosh, man. This is we great. were recording. I said, I was telling Jason, I said, ah. I said, Jason, says, man, I says, I, you know, he said, well, why, why don't you know what? Why don't Jason? Why, why don't you record in Italy? Why don't you? I said, well, so you'll see, you know. So by the fourth day, man, because after, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're like, we're recording. We're doing, going well yep. and everything. But there's this incredible restaurant. Oh you, know, you don't have to walk far to find any incredible no. restaurant. No. There's this incredible restaurant right at, we're, we're at, number one, we're in the wrong place. We're right. In like, we're in this, like, near this like, castle. Yeah, 15th century. 15th yeah, century. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable yeah. kind of yep. castle, <laughs> yep. cobblestone streets yeah. or yep. whatever. And we're, so we're working in this place, which is absolutely incredible anyway. Mm-hmm. And then... So we go to eat at this one place and, you know, this one little restaurant, just a cute little restaurant, yep. just beautiful. And, and um, you know, these, you know, these people care about the food like, I mean, like scientists. Yeah. She goes out every day and <laughs> yeah. collects fresh herbs yeah. from the fields. Yeah. and. I mean, it's. I mean, it's it's sick. Yeah, and it's not like I'll have this. It's like this is what we have. This is what we have. You want it, and you do want it. You do want it. You do want it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, poor Jason. We're like, you know, by the fourth day, you know, we're like, I said, I told you, Jason. I told you the show was gonna happen. Jason's like, 
sitting there at the board. <laughs> like, the board like, so with the Pro Tools. Pasta. Like, so much pasta, yeah, so much yeah, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and the wine yeah. and the stuff. You know, I, know, the stuff I don't know how they it's do like, it, man. It's like know, a four-hour ordeal. You're oh, drinking yeah. wine. You're yeah. eating all this food. Yeah, yeah. How are you supposed to work? You can't. <laughs> you, you can't. can't. You can't. Yeah. I told us you can't. That's why I come home. That's why I come back to the States. I said, detox. That's why I told the guys. I told the Italian guys. I said, look, I said, we're not going to work in Italy. We're going to we're going to record everything in the states. Yep. You know, yeah. they were all too happy because they said because we're not going to get anything done. We're yeah. not going we're not going to get it done because it's it, you know life is is there such a thing where life is too good. Yeah, there yeah. is such a thing. Yep. You know, and you yeah, you kind of get there and you go like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you think? What do you think? Well, that was some good fish. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost time for dinner again, I guess. We should go back. Yeah, yes. yep. yeah it's like that. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's how they roll. Yeah. That's how they roll out there. Yeah. You know. so. Right on. Cool, yeah. man. Well, thanks a lot for being here. Hey, no worries. Yeah, yeah, sure. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I always like. When we young, we young, we young, we young. When we young, young.